Hello, and welcome to the Yerky Boys. May the Kendrona shine and strengthen you. My name is Will. My name is Jonathan. And we are the Yerky Yerky Bears. Boys, Boys, sorry. Oh, that's a little slip up. (laughs) It is a little. This is the bear book. A little bit of a Freudian slip, me thinks. A little bit, yeah. Mm, Yeah. Uh, So I got to start off by saying something right out the gate. Yeah. What do you like better, at the gate or off the bat? I'm I'm feeling uh, the gate this time. Yeah, I'm feeling the gate as well. So uh, I was recently watching the the ILM documentary that's available now on Disney Plus, chronicling the history of uh, Industrial Light and Magic, the special effects mm-hmm. company founded by George Lucas for the purposes of Star Wars, and later moved on to many other projects. Right, right. And uh, I, there's a part in this. So I'm I'm at episode five, and they they start talking about the transition to digital technology. And according to this documentary, I did not look at to see if this is accurate and double check anything. But one of the guys there, they needed to do a scene in Willow in which a person transforms rapidly between like from a duck or a goose to an ostrich to a tiger, (laughs) all kinds of different animals in one scene to a goat. And uh, they used some digital technology they had to invent for the scene and they coined it morphing. Spelled M O R F I N G, and according the to the fuck? guy in this documentary, he said that's the that's the correct spelling of morph, and he doesn't know why what? people added the ph to it later. <laughs> what the fuck? Now he's wrong. I'm pretty sure is it morph like from Latin or something? Like isn't this like a word that exists? <laughs> I mean, I would. It it I I have no idea, but he's wrong. It, it's with a ph. Like I don't care, even if he somehow is etymologically right. <laughs> I think maybe he's referring to a specific like CGI technique. Uh, but I I I think I might personally start writing it with just an f. I might go in and edit all my copies of the book. Okay. Make it, make it an F. I might go. That's, I might go. Come over and find your physical books and take a sharpie and write oh, an wow. F in. Hmm. Oh yeah. I don't know if I'd like that. Every instance in the book on the cover. Every every that would be. How many Fs when, do you think that is? <laughs> when you write the podcast descriptions, you can use a F from now on. Okay. Yeah, I will. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. That's all I had to say this week. F in the chat for the PH. <laughs> PH in the chat. <laughs> uh yeah yeah i guess uh, i guess it has it's more uh has more uh base because they, they got rid of the ph oh, right yeah well that would be it would be less basic if the ph went down right i don't i don't know about chemistry <laughs> <laughs> that's not my area of expertise with uh yeah. in terms of education or women yeah animorphs I mean. is all about that base uh right it is like wait is it (laughs) just i don't i don't know (laughs) all right anything you had to say or uh no that's that's not i had nothing to say uh before this great (laughs) we were just gonna gonna go in here oh i did uh see because i did not know this but i saw this on syrupedia it says quote 
Starting with this book, the Animorphs became a monthly series. Animorphs was released every other month in the start before this, but due to high popularity, the Animorphs contract was bumped up to have a book come out every month instead, with a set number of special editions which would later turn into Megamorphs and Chronicles. So I didn't realize that, that this was coming out, like, every two months, and this is when we start getting our, like, boom, boom, boom every month uh, schedule here. That is... I mean, I, this feels like maybe a longer discussion, but that is nuts to me. Yes. <laughs> like, I can't imagine talking to Kay Applegate and being like, yeah, this is really popular. One a month from now. Like, how we're, how could kids buy them that fast? Like, that is yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, it always, I, even as a kid, I was aware that this writing pace is insane. Like, to come out with this much every single new month is is crazy you know like they're not that long but like there's we're still adding just these insane high concept (laughs) ideas every single book and they are like written you know every month is crazy and like it made sense to me when i was like oh they're all getting ghost written but that didn't start till like the 20s which means she was doing this for like over a year pumping these out every month. So this means so next book is or I don't know because there's the megamorphs and stuff, but number eight is the when it would be the second month. Like theoretically, this book was written with two months. But not I mean no, but you, Well, I'm not I'm not sure because <laughs> Megamorphs Megamorphs, right, was uh would have been written in two parts. It came out in two parts. So, so the next thing that we were going to do is Megamorphs, and that would that was, I guess, released as like part one and then part two, and then they released them both together. And I've never seen part one or part two on their own or something. We'll I didn't even know about out. that part. Yeah, that, we'll figure that out next week. I'm just, I'm still, re- I'm trying to, I'm struggling to grasp the idea that I, I feel like it takes a month just to edit and print a book. Like how, how, I don't, since the turnaround, she must have had like to write it in like two weeks. I I don't understand. Yeah. No, this is, this is some insane production pace. This is, this is some Stephen King production pace where you just sit down and start. I guess not when he uh, spends 19 years in between books, but like for his Dark Tower series. But like, you know, this is the, just like I sat down and wrote for eight hours a day. Yeah, you know, Every you know who day. could use some of this energy is that George R. R. Martin fella. Hmm. Yeah, I don't read. I never read those. Oh, you never read the. Uh, I really want to pull some other book he's written, but I cannot name. One. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's written other non Game of Thrones books that I have no idea what the hell they're called. Um, all right, should we get into Animorphs Book Seven, The Stranger? Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. I did just want to start out uh, before anything by saying I really liked the like sort of change of pace. You know, usually, usually these books start off with my name is Rachel, whatever. I can't tell you, you know, that kind of thing. This one I thought mm-hmm. had a very interesting uh, kind of an opening where it begins. Maman died today or yesterday. Maybe I don't know. I got a telegram from the home. Mother deceased. Funeral tomorrow. Faithfully yours. That doesn't mean anything. Maybe it was yesterday. Very interesting, like very grim. There's kind of some French yeah, in there yeah. for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, like a very overall, the book had a very like existential kind of tone to it that I thought was a cool change of pace. Yeah, I wonder how many of these you're going to be able to uh, to to do this with. I don't know. I think. What? I mean, the next one, the next one, you should be able to find something pretty easily. 
Oh, but, uh, oh no! I see what you're saying. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be able to keep doing this. This I think. is so embarrassing because I now that you say that I realize uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I I instead of reading Animorphs book seven, The Stranger, I accidentally read, uh, of course, the French <laughs> novel. From 1957, The Stranger, written by uh, Albert Camus. Oops. Well, try not to uh, try not mm-hmm. to watch a movie next for book eight instead of uh, reading that one. Okay. Well, that's a good that's good advice. I hopefully yeah. will not make that mistake. I yeah. I don't. I won't promise anything. <laughs> right. It's it's not. Yeah. Don't. Well, you just you just pay attention. Watch out for that. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I guess let's get to the actual book, and I'll try to keep up as you go. Okay, yeah, just just react to what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sure it'll re- all work out. Yeah, yeah, I'll read in real time. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> we, we have, thing- I probably could. I have enough time with how long these podcasts are to finish this whole <laughs> book as we go. <laughs> Almost certainly. I do like, uh, though, actually, when the book starts off, uh, it, it actually she starts off by saying... You know the drill before she yeah. does all of her exposition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is great. It is great. I'm not going to let you skip over the cover, however. So I hope don't. Oh yeah, try. no, no. I I thought you had done that, and I was just going to let you get. Well, away with that. I, I knew that if you started with the cover, it's not. It doesn't have the same impact. If you know, you okay. have to you have to believe the facade that I just read the wrong book. And if I had seen right. the cover, well, that would ruin the illusion. That's true. The facade. I don't, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, she's turning in, she's turning into a bear. Yeah. <laughs> she's turning into a bear. The bear's kind of got like a Ewokish little pose going on here. <laughs> you know, see. one thing on on these covers, they're never I don't see them wearing their morphing outfits. They're always wearing regular clothes. Yeah, that's true. You can't have like teenagers and leotards on your book covers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a very good thing because, like, it's probably fine for kids. But what if I wanted to walk into a bookstore and buy one of these as a thirty-year-old man? Right? Like, I can't be. No, no. Uh, I, I have more to say about the inside cover. I feel is the good stuff. Oh yeah, it is for sure. That's one of the best. The, on the inside, you see, you see the three of them morphed on the elevator. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a scene I guess we can talk about later, but it's a great yeah. image of a tiger, a gorilla, and a bear on an elevator. Oh, yeah. Big, big Jim is looking real nice in there. <laughs> now, are these are those poses of those animals just ripped from the other covers? Uh, well, there are... wasn't a tiger yet. I'm uh, wondering about that gorilla, to be honest. Uh, give me sure a second. Looks, it sure looks like the gorilla, the same, it's facing the same direction and everything. The... I'm going to go grab book five right now. Grab it. I mean, I would have just, you know, used the internet, but I get it. You're, you're a physical person. Let's you enjoy physical media. Oh my god, I think it might be. <laughs> okay, so my theory's correct. I'm very smart. Let's we've, see. We've established that I'm an intelligent man. Y- yes, uh, I'm side by side. These are literally exactly the same gorilla face. So then the question is: Is that tiger going to be the same tiger on the later book cover? <laughs> uh, it's not. I remember oh, enough okay. about the tiger. I'm positive it's not. Okay. All right. Well, I don't blame. I mean, why the hell would you draw a new one? You got a gorilla already. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quite good. And uh, should uh, should note that the inside cover here says uh, a little something to bear in mind. 
<laughs> Wait, what does that mean? What is something to bear in mind? Well, uh, you know, she's a bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess it's that there may be no way out. That's the cord and lift cover. Oh, yeah, there's no way out. Yeah, so you might have to bear that in mind, yeah. Yeah, that there you go. goes together <laughs> real well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Wait, yeah well, well, they could have gone with, like, Grin and Barrett, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a thousand different ways you could go, but they, yeah, yeah. they had their shot and they took it for that. So I like it. <laughs> yeah, we're fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Stranger. Um, the Stranger. I guess we could start. Uh, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Um, <clears throat> so, Rachel Book. Rachel's divorced dad uh, has taken her <laughs> and her sisters to the circus for visitation. Uh, he, yeah, he, he sees them every other weekend. Uh, Rachel has brought Cassie along because she's feeling like she's a little too old for the circus. But uh, she and Cassie see that their elephant uh, tamer guy has been mistreating the elephants. He's been using a cattle prod on them. So after they're all done at the circus, uh, Rachel uh, goes backstage and she morphs into an elephant. She gets into the elephant cage, morphs into an elephant. Uh, and then when the guy shows up, uh, she grabs him with her trunk and starts threatening him and uh, telling him, oh, he, like speaking to him. In, with psychically, thoughts, yeah. Psychically, yes. And saying, you know, <laughs> you better not hurt your elephants anymore. She says she's from the, the International Elephant Police. And uh, <laughs> she ends by throwing him 20 feet through the air uh, onto a tent, and then they morph and leave. <laughs> These books are so fucking unhinged. <laughs> it's it's good. Rachel is like really psychotic, right? About threatening this guy too, right? Like she says she's gonna like turn him into a shish kebab. She says she'll squeeze him till he pops like an overcooked hot dog. She talks about like skewering him on her tusk, quote, like a worm about to be placed on a fishing hook, unquote. <laughs> Like, it's just so, it's so much. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. As usual, these opening scenes and Animorphs have just, there's just so much to talk about. <laughs> I know. Uh, but, you know, we got to start from the beginning. I will say, you know, last book, I, I kind of was, uh, I think I feel like I gave, I gave you a little pushback when you were, you were like, you know, you thought Jake was maybe a little more boring than you were remembered. <laughs> and uh and reading all immediately reading this like and having Rachel's perspective as a direct co comparison I was like oh yeah I mean I, like compared to Rachel Jake's very boring <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> she's so she's just this angry little thing <laughs> this ball of rage uh this now the, I don't the circus like What's up? Is this a thing teenagers would go to together for fun? Like the well, circus came to town. What is it? The like Italy in the fourteen hundreds? Like yeah, I don't, I don't know what what's up with the circus coming to town. That feels weird. But the that was kind of the point, right? Is that it's it's uh, Rachel's younger sisters, Jordan and Sarah, are also there. So Jordan's like what ten or eleven, and Sarah's like what seven or eight or something like this. So it's it's mostly for Sarah and kind of Jordan and Rachel like specifically says I'm kind of too old for this that's why I brought Cassie. I th like I was a little confused because doesn't she say the whole point is that she she does stuff with her dad but her dad's not there? Or, 
No, no, her dad brought her. Yeah. Oh, but he, but where, where is like? It doesn't sound like they're sitting. Like he's never mentioned. Like he doesn't say, "Okay, girls, like where are you going?" Or something. Well, they they go after it's over or something. I guess they're (laughs) supposed to be good. Maybe she said she was going to the mall. Okay. (laughs) All right. I mean, you know, Rachel, she's always looking for a bear again at the mall. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, I mean, that makes yeah. I was just it makes sense if, if her dad was there too. I guess uh, yeah. I was for some reason I just pictured them like just hanging right. out in the circus together. No, it uh, it does say that. Uh, okay. he, he just he, yeah. It's it is true that he doesn't like say anything or do anything in the chapter. <laughs> right uh, now, this guy that they torment, who is the elephant handler. Yeah, Mr. Joseph something she calls him because I guess that's his name. Yeah, can you explain that to me? <laughs> I don't, Joe. Like, and just to clarify for listeners, Joseph, J O S E P. No, not Joseph. Yeah, Mister. It was. He, she says it's something hard to pronounce, so she just Maybe it's it, like Joseph something. It might be like Josep or something. Maybe it's some kind of Slavic or Eastern European type thing. I could just, imagine. I don't actually know what the. How you like if there's like a Polish version of Joseph? It's such a weird. It's just such a strange name to choose <laughs> to like introduce this one-off character. And I don't know, maybe Mister Yosef something returns in later books. I doubt it. But uh, they just uh, want you to picture him as having like a heavy accent or something. I, he's a he's a big guy with a top hat and a handlebar mustache and a little monkey on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would be Giuseppe. Yeah, I'm I'm imagining the guy from the new Pinocchio. I'm right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. So I just that was it was just very. I just couldn't. That was a stumbling block for me. I don't like Joseph already is so bizarre. But then the fact that you have to say something after it, it's a strange. I just don't understand that choice. It hurt my brain. Sure, why not? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a me thing. I don't no, know. I mean, I might just be used to it because I did remember that sort <laughs> of as a kid. Mr. Joseph. Like, it's hard to say Mr. Joseph something. It's like if somebody said that in real life, you'd be like, what did you say? Huh? Jose- Joseph? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. sure. Yeah, sure. Anyway, moving on. These kids are stupid. That's all I got to say. But. They are stupid. And what's kind of dumber is that um, Rachel kind of barely gets chewed out for this at all. How many like, of these are we going to have to endure? <laughs> that's, that's just, how many? I mean... <laughs> Listen, it's just, it's just weird. I feel like literally every time they've done this, uh, people have gotten more shit for it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. Like, like literally, she just gets like, yeah, I mean, eh, that's not really what we should be doing. Like, Rachel, sa- I, Rachel says something like, uh, everyone knows <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing anyway. <laughs> she also says, uh, Jake says, wasn't that maybe just a little unnecessary? Or Cassie, I don't know who. Jake, Cassie, I don't know. Wasn't that just a little unnecessary? And Rachel says, no, he made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's, yeah, that's it. He made me mad. What are you gonna, yeah. what am, come on, what else am I going to do? Obviously, i got to throw <laughs> him in the air and threaten yeah, him. Rich is a bit hard to control. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, she's a little. You know, I I think these these children again maybe don't have their like empathy connectors all finished yet. <laughs> well, Cassie does. I don't know about uh, Marco and Rachel. <laughs> Rachel might never have hers really working. <laughs> she might not. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit of a problem. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, they uh, are. Are we done talking about this elephant scene? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know at the, it, it's as in, as as insane as Marco would say as it as it seems at this point. It's like you know, oh yeah, they turn yeah. into a big animal, and torture someone, yeah. to insert place. <laughs> yeah, I mean the only the only thing that's more insane about this is that she's like talking to him. She's just like holding a conversation with. Yeah, him. that like, is a every- bit much. Everyone else knew better than to do that. But does it never, does no one say, but he could be a controller? I feel like that comes up so often. Yeah, like I she, feel like nobody said that this time. She, like, she just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, who knows? Maybe the Andalites are big into animal rights. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if he was a controller, like, he doesn't, he's just, they know there's Andalites, so, but I don't know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. They're stupid. Yeah, they don't, they're, they're fucking they don't seem stupid. to care that much about that, this book. <laughs> I, I thought it comes up at some point later, but yeah, I don't kind know. of. I don't know. I don't but know. Whatever. Uh, they all they we do our standard thing now. Now we did our intro. Now they're all in the barn. They're uh, they're talking about what we're gonna do in this book. What's the plot of this book? Um, only I guess they're not in the barn. They go out and meet Axe in the forest this time. Mm, um, yeah, and so because Axe has got to be involved in. He doesn't like turning into a human and going into Cassie's barn. So they got to meet him in his field, whatever. Um, Tobias and Marco uh, have been working together and they have found a way into the Yerk pool. Because remember, the old uh, entrance that they had found before was, was uh, closed off. Um, so now they know how to get back in. Um, you go in through a dressing room uh, at the Gap in the mall. And then you go out <laughs> with the crowds at the movie theater. Um, they yeah. don't think that they can really attack the pool directly because, you know, they don't really have that kind of force, but, uh, they are remembering, uh, the Candrona, uh, and thinking if we could attack the earth-based Candrona, maybe we could do some real damage. Um, so what if we sneak into the Yerk pool and we try to do our, like, bug reconnaissance type stuff there and figure out where it might be? So this is the plan for this book. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's quite a plan. It's a good plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was a little confused about the Yerk pool versus a Yerk pool. Like mm-hmm. I felt, I felt like in the hospital book, it was like, oh, there's a Yerk pool in the hospital, and and then now they're back to like the Yerk pool. It just, I, I don't know. I thought I, yeah. I was like, oh, and I just assumed there's multiple pools, but they're. It's the one, like, main Yerk pool they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. the one that's gigantic and under half the town, and then, like, I guess you can set up portable mini pools that hold, like, a dozen Yerks or something. But if you want to host your, like, 10,000 Yerks, you got to be at, like, the pool. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I just didn't feel like they, in, in the other one, they, they referred to it. Did they call it, like, a mini pool? I thought it was just a pool, but... I think they I called don't... it, like, a portable... I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they did. Maybe they it did. It is... It does not seem that hard to have. 
Like, does each Candrona only support one pool? Like, the main Candrona supports the pool that's under half the city, but nothing else? You can't use it like a Wi-Fi tower and just be like, if you're in the city, you can make your personal pool? It feels like you should be able to do that. Maybe that's only for high-ranking Yerks, but that can't be that difficult. The Candrona is a miniature version of the Yerks' home sun that emits Candrona rays, which which concentrate in the Yerk pools. Yes. So that cleared up for you? <laughs> well, no, I already knew that part. Oh, well, I, I'm still, it was still, it's all very confusing for me what this kid drone is, but, uh, you know, I figured it out. I'm still okay, confused good. about what's the main versus the sun. Is that also, is that called a can? That makes it sound like the sun's not called a candrona. It makes it sound well, like the candrona is the candrona and the sun is eh, the sure. thing. <laughs> Maybe the sun's just a sun. I don't know. <laughs> that which would make more sense, <laughs> but I, I I don't I don't know. Um, there's some good uh, sarcasm in this in this scene that I liked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't remember where it was, but there just was some good old fashioned '90s. Maybe it was coming up. I swear, there's a line where uh, maybe it was when they were talking about the the bear. Oh, maybe it was before this. I yeah, don't we know. don't have any bears yet. Oh, sorry, the elephant. Sorry, not the bear, not the yeah, bear. Yeah. yeah, the wait for this is a bit unbearable, you might say. I, 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 I might say that. When s- someone's like, what were you doing there? And Rachel's like, oh, I was meeting a friend. or I don't know. She makes some sarcastic remarks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I thought was funny that made me think, you know, I feel like that yeah. was a... Sarcasm was just big in the 90s, you know? Like, it was acceptable to write your characters just saying dumb shit like that. (laughs) Yeah, everyone was fluent in it, you might say. Yeah, you didn't need to come up with a real joke. They could just be like, oh, really? Were you hungry? I guess not, because they just ate a lot of food or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was a big thing. Makes Uh, sense. I was mostly... Oh yeah, I, this might be what you're about to move on to because I was I Probably was not. just reminded <laughs> of uh, both both you and myself a bit with a little conversation between Jake and Marco. Oh, where, what did uh, say? Well, Marco said that he doesn't want to tell the same story twice, and Jake says, "Since oh. when don't you want to tell the same story twice? I've heard you tell the same tired jokes eighty or ninety times." And Marco says, "It's your own fault. If you would just laugh the first time, I wouldn't have to keep telling them." Yeah, that that was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's right. <laughs> Marco rules. Yeah, Marco rules. You, you should laugh. Just just laugh. Just I would laugh, laugh every time. <laughs> please laugh. There's also Marco also says that Axe and Rachel belong together and they should get married while bungee jumping into an active <laughs> volcano. And there's a and then Rachel says I squirmed a little because I really was not interested in Axe that way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, me thinks she doth protest too much on that one. Yeah, that's not what she said uh, in book four. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's like, if you if you have to clarify that you don't want to fuck the horse man, you would want to fuck the horse man. <laughs> Kay Applegate was shocked at what she was reading on fanfiction.net. Uh, I guess it's 10 years too early, but you get the idea. It was in the IRC chats. Back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The news all dot animorphs. Uh, do you, th- yeah. you think these yurks are, you know, uh, Marco also jokes that they're on top of popular American culture. They they catch in the ends of all these movies when they come out. They're just having a mm. good time. Like, 
I don't know if I was a host, an involuntary host, that might be the best part of my day to be like, oh, at least I get to, you know, go see the end of um, whatever the new Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This well, week. Well, come out instead of coming out for the end. Can we just come out for the beginning? Right, right. Yeah. Like just free, I'm like, I'm show. begging with my yerk. I'm like, can you just <laughs> stay for an hour? Just let me watch this movie. I, I know you got yerk business, but come on. You can study it to like hurt us more or something. I just really want to see it. Yeah. I mean, listen, they got to put up with you just like you got to put up with them. If you're a voluntary host, there's going to be some like give and take probably, you know? Yeah. They don't want you bitching about your movie all day. Yeah, that's fair. I also uh, remarked, I'm going, I'm about to remark upon this part. Uh, That's a normal way to say things. Where Rachel says that the Yerk Pool, she says, I don't know if you Andalites believe in heaven and hell, but the Yerk Pool is not heaven. I just want to say for the record, uh, as a as a Jew, Rachel doesn't necessarily believe in the concept of hell. That's mm. not, so that's not a Jewish. Mm. Yeah, just, that's yeah, true. I just can't, you know, since as it's been established, Rachel's Jewish. I just, I keep thinking about well, it. Well, it hasn't been yet. We, I just, I, I heard evidence it's, to that effect it's been and established I, to i for you said it and i believe it's okay. true well 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 i'm i'm gonna pay attention for it because i know when that should uh come up <laughs> it actually will come up <laughs> yeah like the, the 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 when it was cited to me that she might be jewish i, I know where it was in the series uh, so right. i i will be paying attention for it Oh, that's that's gonna be. There's a spinoff book somewhere after book thirty-five is the the Jew Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. What's next? What else you got? Um. Yeah. I mean. Uh. So just a little shout out here. This is not relevant yet, but I did want to point out. I noticed Cassie saw a baby skunk with its mother here. That could become important in other books. I'm I'm curious if this is the same skunk we're going to see later, and I just wanted to make sure we uh, noted that before we moved on here. Okay, noted there is a skunk. I will yes, remember that. Yes, a skunk. <laughs> it's important. Okay. It's probably not that important, but it it's here. Important skunk. Got it. Right, good. That's written down? All right. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> So after they've all done their plot stuff, um, we are back at Rachel's house. And uh, Rachel's dad comes over for dinner, which is very strange. You know, he's he's seeing them twice a month for visitation. He's not on great terms with uh, her mother. And um, we find out that uh, he is moving. He's got a, a really good job, but it's like a thousand miles away. Um he was supposed to tell them this when he brought them to the circus, but he didn't. Uh, and her mom is kind of upset about that. But um, he he announces this, and Rachel gets uh, mad about it and gets up mid-conversation. She just goes, uh, leaves and goes off to her room. Um, and her dad follows her in and uh, basically says, okay, I needed to finish the actual announcement, which is that uh, you have the choice to, to come live with me if you want. Um, her sisters are too young for this, but she can make a decision if she wants to go live with her dad, but she would have to move like a thousand miles away. So now Rachel's got a conundrum for the book. Uh, if she, yeah. Yeah. This was, you know, as a, as a child of divorce, this was very relatable to me Mm, mm. (laughs) and, and a Jew. And I also have a sister whose name is Sarah. (laughs) 
So yeah. Oh wow. This so so this is just you. There's a lot of parallels here, and I I did uh, you know I lived with my mom, and I I, I saw my dad uh, every other weekend plus dinners yeah. during the week. That was the arrangement. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I'm also a child of divorce, but I just had a very different. I spent two weeks at a chunk with my mom, and then two weeks at a chunk oh, with my wow. dad, and went back and forth. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that is very different. Yeah, huh. yeah. We my parents had a very like amicable di- divorce, and so it was just like, yeah, yeah. We'll just do the custody evenly, spend equal time, and uh, don't even worry about it. And uh, and I brought my dog with me between the houses too. Wow, that sounds good. Yeah, it was what? fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, like obviously, I was upset about it when it happened, but like, it was fine. <laughs> That's funny because when my parents uh, told me they're getting divorced, I was like, I believe this is the best thing for both of you, and I'm, I'm excited for that you're both going to get to take these new journeys. And I, <laughs> even though it's a little bit sad, I think this is the right move. I was, I was about six years old, and that's what I said. Yeah. You were, you were a very emotionally mature kid. Yeah, well, I, I you like, know, yeah, yeah, what? Hmm? I was like 11 when my. Oh, happened. you were a little older. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They ripped that bandaid off early in my life. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, all, all that, all that. I liked all that Rachel divorce stuff in this book. It was, it was a nice little affecting bit of backstory and yeah. PTSD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan and Dan, the dad. By the way, I should be remembering to refer to him by his name, so I remember his name. Yeah, by the way, there was a part before when she says people say she got her she gets her reckless behavior from her dad. And yeah. I don't know that I get reckless from this depiction of her father. He seems like a very responsible <laughs> normal man. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I think it's more just that he's like I don't know, uh may, maybe not reckless but like willing to go out and like he's got more of the let's do it attitude, you know, instead of saying like Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's a little much. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go do something cool and fun, kind of guy. Mm. Um, but yeah, reckless is definitely not something I get. Maybe Rachel yeah. conflates those two because she's. <laughs> Maybe he used to be reckless, and now he's he went straight or something. Mm, it could be. Uh, but could uh, be. we also find. Did you mention we also find out he's a news anchor? So. Oh yes, I don't know if I said that was his job, but yeah, he's a news anchor. So that's um. You know, that's 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 interesting because that's a that could be an important job that Yerks might be interested in a news anchor. I feel like that could that may come up at some point. I don't know. I don't know. Just speculating. Yeah, that that is that is a fair point. That's not unreasonable. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one thing about this whole uh, this whole parental drama thing here, it, it kind of makes me wonder um, if Rachel was a bear, what might she call her mom and dad? You have any ideas on that? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm kind of drawing a blank. I don't, I don't know. I think she might call them her parents. <laughs> I gotta tell you, like <laughs> two minutes ago, I considered asking you this uh-huh. and I thought I should let, he might want to say that I shouldn't step on that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I specifically put in here. I and I thought, I time. thought you might save it for the end, but I, d- I had to wait no yeah. time at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was hard to restrain myself from doing it at the beginning. I have a couple other good bear jokes that I, I was considering just throwing in. Oh, there, you have good but ones. I didn't have. Didn't. Uh, oh, yeah. I have a lot of good ones. Oh, okay. Okay. I just didn't know you had good ones. Also, I have a lot of good. Are you, you want you want to hear a good one? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, what kind of uh, cheese do you use to lure a bear? I, can you? I feel like you should work anamorphs into it, though. Well, see, the problem is that I didn't have a good way to work it in, so that's no, why. You just, just these say are what, separate. what kind of cheese would you use to lure Rachel if she was Rachel in bear morph? if she was a bear? Yeah. yeah. That, that, I, okay. Fine. What that's kind of I cheese <laughs> would you use to lure Rachel in bear morph? I, I'm gonna guess Parmesan, but I don't know. Uh, uh, bear. <laughs> wow, that's a wow, that's a double because it's not just the bear yeah. part. It makes, oh yeah, it's... <laughs> makes a word. Oh a yeah, sentence. that's up there. I no, love that, that one. Okay, that is pretty good. I'm yeah, just seeing right. some, in real time our podcast numbers are dropping below zero. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone loves this. People are unlistening somehow. Like they are reversing their listening so they have not heard of this anymore. <laughs> We're gaining waves of followers. <laughs> it's unprecedented. Uh what did you think about this part where uh where Rachel mentions that her dad told her she's just as good as a boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked that part. And she lo- she's like, I didn't think that was sexist. I liked being just as good as a boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's like listening in on her parents talking and and her mom says like, do not say that around Rachel. Little girls do not want to be told they're just as good as a boy. <laughs> Rachel's like, no, no, no. That's good. That's what I like. Yeah, so new headcanon, maybe Rachel's trans. Just putting mm. it out there. I was thinking that might be my new uh, pickup line. You know, you go, you meet <laughs> yeah. a, a girl, and you're like, yeah, "Damn, you know, I'd like to get with you. You're you would be as good as a, any guy to date." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a good line. You're just as good as a guy. I would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so then, and then, then what happens? Yeah. Uh, well, Rachel is, uh, really upset about this still. Um, she's honestly like significantly more upset about this than we've seen her be upset about all of the like other trauma going on. Um, but she goes out, she's like, can't sleep. She goes out flying at night. Apparently she got a great horned owl morph. I don't remember her getting that, but at some point she got it. I feel uh, so, like it came up in another book, but maybe I'm imagining that. Yeah, I don't, I could check, but I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she goes off flying because she can't sleep. She goes and visits uh, Tobias and uh, wakes him up, spooks him, and she's like talking at him. And he's like, Rachel, what's actually going on? She doesn't tell him. She just feeds him some line about being nervous about going to the York pool. Um, you know, uh, and she can't, she still can't sleep. Tobias is like, Rachel, go home. Um, but she doesn't. She goes and flies off to the gardens and decides to go acquire a grizzly bear morph on her own with no backup. So she just flies into the grizzly bear exhibit, morphs human, touches the bear, uh, and acquires it and then leaves all on her own. Um, yeah. You know, Rachel's not being responsible, this book, at all. <laughs> I got to say. I like it. I like this, Rachel. She's. She, 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 I like this don't give a fuck attitude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she's good. Um, I, I think it's interesting that she, like, wants this grizzly uh, for its, like, power when she already has, um, like, an elephant. That's way stronger. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, but an elephant doesn't have claws, you know? I would rather fight a bear than an elephant, although, honestly, you're going to die to either. Well, it's also, like, I don't know, an elephant, I feel like you could at least kind of, like, I feel like I could run behind an elephant and maybe, like, do, like, get away or escape or try to at least. Like, it would be slow to turn around, you know? Whereas a bear, you like you can't outrun a, a bear in any way. Like it's just gonna it get it's just as mobile as you are, more so. Yeah, problem is elephants are way faster than you think they are. Like maybe you could try to get around it, but what are you gonna do if you go too near its legs? It'll just step on you. You know. <laughs> I guess I, I still feel like it's a you got a little better odds. I I, I don't know. I don't or, think or, that you have you, good you, odds. Or on you either. could like you could go under into a door that it can't fit through or something. You know what I mean? Like there's there's things an, ele- an elephant can't climb a tree either. There's there's things an elephant can't do. Elephants <laughs> literally knock trees down. Well, elephants. I'm just saying. There's wait a bear. You got no recourse. <laughs> Look, I'm not I saying. Know. I'm not I, saying I your odds like- are good. I just, I just feel like elephants better. are smarter and more social and therefore more likely to be cruel to you when they kill you. Well, now bear. you're being racist towards bears and elephants. <laughs> so that, I don't agree That's with fair. that. Uh, I mean, I was honestly just interpreting it as Rachel feeling like bears are like naturally meaner with this idea that like, yeah, the elephant's too like inherently gentle, right? The bear, I can just get into its like full on aggression mode. And, and, you know, I I think there is some sort of like representative thing here um, where it's, it's almost like, I I feel like it's almost like metaphorical, right? Rachel, the, the, the elephant is Rachel who is like powerful, but in control. And the bear is very much Rachel when she's like, vicious and reckless and irresponsible and out of control in some sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good read of it. I just think she's tired of not being able to fit through doors. (laughs) I mean, that's probably also a reasonable point. There are times where she needs to break stuff, but she likes breaking down doors. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like a lot of a lot of work. I don't. You can't. This elephant couldn't go in an elevator. I'll tell you, or in a drop shaft. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't a drop shaft. That it was that one time. They're yeah, that yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. the. Well, maybe she couldn't do it. She did it on the mothership, though. I think. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't or no, yeah, she had to demorph to get in the pod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she was fine in the drop shaft. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at least, though, uh, Rachel isn't scared of owls like a little bitch, like Tobias. This yeah, motherfucker's well, scared of owls. She, he, the owl's as big as he is, and it flew up on him in the middle of the night. <laughs> he you says, know? owls scare me. Come on, you little pussy-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> They've fucking eaten Tootsie Pops and shit. Get over it. <laughs> They're not scary. They're fucking yeah, well, teaching just... Winnie the Pooh how to read, okay? <laughs> Wait until it's as big as you are, then you'll see. <laughs> well, okay, now I'm thinking about the that owl thing from that one episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. yeah that thing, not... that did scare the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Birds are kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, because they're it's because of those dark, beady eyes that have no emotions at all. Yeah. Speaking of birds, uh, Tobias mentions he could get easy A's in ornithology. If he went to school, which is, by the way, he clarifies the study of birds mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in, case, in yeah. case we didn't know. <laughs> I don't know that he could. I don't know that being a bird is going to actually help him that much with 
Like yeah. I don't like how 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 good would I do in an anatomy class if right. I just walked into like a high a college level anatomy class and just assumed I could ace every test because I'm after all I am a human, right? That's so funny. Just be, this is an easy A. I'm a, it's about humans. That's what I am. Yeah, five fingers, bam, done. Not seven, I know that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, the, like that's what the test is going to be. Like, <laughs> humans like to A, eat food, B, hurt themselves, <laughs> C, <laughs> die. <laughs> like, oh, I know this one. We like to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, that's right, that's right. <laughs> oh, see, I thought you were listing things off till you got to the diet. I was like, yeah, we do like to eat food and hurt ourselves. Oh yeah, D. Sorry, uh, D is all of the above. That's the all correct answer. Above, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So she now, gets this bear. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. What's going on with the bear here? It's a cute little bear that uh, has no pain or fear in the world, and she envies it. <laughs> Yeah, she does. She has like a whole monologue about how how she envies it and how all of the like, you know, all of her shit coming together, all of the little things and the like the divorce is little to her and the big things like the world ending and it's all swirling together and she can't handle it, all that kind of stuff. Of course, of course. You know, also, this maybe is a good place to bring up because she was just hanging out with Tobias. I yeah. thought it was yeah. in- interesting to note in this book, there was... Almost none, like very little, if any, indication that Rachel is into Tobias in this book. Yeah, there's a little bit. Like she calls him, she says the old Tobias had like dreamy eyes. There's going to be a couple moments later, but yeah, it's not. She seems to like care for him, but it's not nearly like a Jake or Cassie book. It feels like they're constantly yeah. slobbering on each other compared to this. Yeah. Well, Jake and Cassie are much more empathetic people. Rachel and Tobias are both fierce predators. <laughs> yeah, they I just guess want to go killing true. together. I guess it's interesting because it's really like, it, you know, if Rachel has those feelings, then clearly she's not even like they're so she's so bad at being in touch with her own emotions that she doesn't even like think about it in her own. Narrative. I do think Rachel's pretty bad at being in touch with her own emotions. Like, like I said, like she isn't Tobias is more in touch with her shit here, like in this conversation where Rachel's just like yeah i'm having these problems and tobias is like those are not the problems you're having and i know but i don't like tell me what the act and she won't tell him about the divorce issue because she's just like no no not dealing with it right but right yeah now she does actually um she brings up some pretty um sad and fucked up points about tobias here because she's she's thinking like well if i if i move away you know i won't be able to be with the animorphs anymore and she asks him, like, you ever think about, like, college? Like, what are we going to do when we all go to college? And she's in her head thinking, like, well, then we won't be able to fight. We won't be together anymore the way we are now. But, like, she's immediately just like, oh, geez, big oof, Rachel. Because, like, what about Tobias's future, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's he's not going to get a job. He's not going to have a home. He's not, like, he is a bird. He, he's not even going to live that long. Birds don't live that long relative to humans. Okay, so that's um, that's a, a question I was going to ask you. If, when you morph, do you take on the animal's lifespan? I mean, if the body gets old and dies, then if you're in that morph, I mean, he's in that morph. He's in that body. So theoretically, if they morph into a fly, they have 24 hours to live? <laughs> uh, I guess, but then every time they morph, like, 
they yeah yeah i think that's well, true or wait but however if, if it's like a mayfly or whatever yeah maybe but every time is... they morph they reset it right so it doesn't matter yeah but but here's the the issue is you don't know how old a fly is when you acquire it. You could acquire a fly that's an hour away from death. <laughs> well, you'd probably morph into it and be like, I don't feel good. I I guess. I don't know if how flies feel before they die. This I don't know. I'm just it feels like maybe I don't know if you do you know that they get the lifespan or are you like, you know, assuming that like is um, there is there a chance that there's some te- the technology makes it so you don't? No, the they definitely age along with the the thing. That is for sure. Oh, actually, and on that note, w- like while if you morphed, in- for example, if Axe got stuck in human morph, just as an example, uh, then he, oh, he would, would just grow. grow up with the animorphs. That's that's even weirder because he's not even a real human. He's like eight humans or something. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I know it's only five. Um, if you're while you're in morph, does your human body not age? Do you think they're actually slightly younger than the amount of yeah. years they've been alive? Yeah, their human body shouldn't be aging. Yeah, they should yeah. be slightly younger. Wow. Now, wow. How's that for a new anti-aging method? Well, you know, there are already weird anti-aging methods like this, like uh, the relativity of gravity, like you age differently at different altitudes, technically. That sounds like some nerd shit. I'm not interested in that. It's weird. Yeah, I'm not interested. It's not noticeable, but it is true. So. Okay, well, I don't know. That sounds like it could be fake news to me. Fair enough. I mean, I... Mostly, the real sad thing about this is that, like, Rachel and Tobias, there's a big hopelessness to it, right? Like, Rachel and Tobias do not have a future together in 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 this particular situation here, you know? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's uh, Buffy and Angel. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> Rachel's not going to be able to uh, growl old together with him, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's As a bear, that, I mean. Right, 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 right. They won't be together forever. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So you're just going to have to bear with me on these. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've used, you've used that one already. <laughs> so. Have I? I probably I'm, have, right? I mean, the inside quote was that, so. Oh, Yeah. Is it? Wasn't it? Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> All Listen, right. I'm just doing the bare minimum to get okay. these out. No, you're not. Okay. You can what's <laughs> please go next. Next, next. <laughs> uh well they I guess they have to go to the mall now so that they can um get into that yerk pool if we remember that part from all those years ago. <laughs> um <laughs> they <laughs> So they all go to the mall. Uh, they get into, they go into the dressing room, the, the specific dressing room that you enter through. They go in in waves and they morph, uh, into cockroaches and then they wait for someone to come in and they, uh, go through the passageway. They're in the pool. So they run down into the pool as cockroaches. Um, here we are. Uh, there's, if you remember from last time, there were buildings lining the perimeter of the pool. Um, like just little offices and that kind of thing. So they're like, all right, let's go over toward those uh, offices or whatever. They smell French fries. So they figure, all right, food court, whatever. 
they start heading toward there, and then all of a sudden uh, they get eaten by a taxon. Just immediately. Like almost nothing. Like they're in the pool and boom, eaten. <laughs> so. <laughs> yep. Um, very rapid. <laughs> uh, so this is where shit just starts to go fucking nuts in this book. Yeah. Uh, first, <laughs> right. I was, I like that they're reusing, I like when they reuse a morph, you know, it's sensible, it's not, it's not unhinged and unwieldy, like when Rachel just decides I'm going to get a bear and not try it out, we're just going to do some stuff. Yes. And I, and I was, you know, I'm thinking like, wow, you know, third, I'm uh, like a third of the way through the book and we're, we're getting, we're at the York pool, yeah. like things Already are really in the moving, pool. Yeah. this is, this is it, we're, and, and also at this point, I think I was thinking like. Yeah, this is not much going on in this book. I guess this will be a pretty. Uh, this might be a quick episode. I think this is I was. Be a I short was remembering one. last book how you didn't like read the back or know that anything weird was going to happen with Jake getting uh, uh, infested, and I uh, I was getting a little hype for this part, or at least the next part. Once yeah, we find I out mean, what happens after they get eaten. But. Yeah, I guess we're not quite there yet. We'll we'll build to that, but already the getting eaten part was uh, real. Just fucking wild to read yeah yeah, no just you're if you don't know it's coming that is just completely out of nowhere like you expect them to have to do some infiltration then eventually something goes wrong no they're just in its freaking mouth also the way it is described is also it's it's not immediately clear what is happening because hmm. they're it's from the point of view of them as bugs. So like they, they just say like a red there's some ooze around me and a red whip pulls me up and you're like, What what does that mean? And then it's like, oh, it's like a taxon is just just saw some roaches on the ground and just went yum, a little treat for me, which is like already That's, so gross. That is what they're like. <laughs> It is not safe to be a roach around town. You could get them uh, if you could if you got a big taxon to live with you, John. It could eat all your house centipedes. Oh wow! And stink bugs and all those other things that. What a they make great roommates for that reason. I, I would say. Right. I also I I just not to move past it. I think it's important that Axe before this happens mentions that humans have a smell. And he yes. says it's sort of like an animal back on his planet called a flar. Right. <laughs> F-L-A-A-R, a flar. Yeah, a flar. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad smell. It's just we smell would, like a flar. I'd love to know what a flar looks like, but I don't know mm. if we will. <laughs> you know, thinking about this, I was on Twitter the other day, and I saw some post that somebody made that said that um that white people smell like wet dogs. <laughs> and uh, and so I've been kind of smelling myself and thinking, you know, that's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are also often wet and that's uh, true. just like covered in hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you usually have a ball in your mouth that just drool all over it. <laughs> Going to okay, town let's not get let's not talk biscuits. about my fetishes. Sorry, please. sorry, sorry. That's for later. <laughs> Uh, now, okay, I feel like, I mean, this is all, like, just a precursor to this to this next part, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, most of this is just mall stuff, animorph stuff, axe-eating cigarette butts, whatever. Um, yeah. But I, I, I just, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was just, just going to say this next part is where it gets crazy. But if you have something more to say before we move on here. Well, I was going to kind of preface what what my state of mind was while reading this this section. Yes. <laughs> Tell me what you were thinking at this moment. I'm just I just want to say so, you know, I was casually reading this and look, sometimes, you know, I usually I like read before bed and it makes me sleepy. <laughs> yes, And I was a little sleepy reading this section. And I was, I was le- legit like, I was at the point where it was like, oh my, I'm kind of, kind of awake. And then I kind of like, oh, like f- my eyes closed for three seconds and I go wake up. And I'm like, oh, oh I, I can, I can keep reading. I keep going. I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> and that to have, to have that coincide with this next part, I, it like I woke up at some point and had to go back and reread a few pages because I was so confused. Like usually the animorphs, you know, it's fairly straightforward. And I, you know, I could like, oh, I can kind of, oh yeah, yeah, they're still talking about their plan or whatever. This time I was legitimately. I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> it was like I was waking up from a fever dream. I That's... was so so shocked and bewildered by by this scene and I had to re- and and rereading it fully from the beginning I was it was not much more illuminating. <laughs> Honestly for a lot of the podcast I've been trying to suss out whether you remembered uh this guy I who's going to show not. up. Yeah, it seemed to me like you didn't. That's why no. I was pretty excited, but I wasn't Zero. sure. I, it's hard for me to say anymore. I, I'm sure I yeah. had to have read at least a dozen of these books, uh, but I have no idea. Like, And I know I also – I know I had Visser, Andalite Chronicles, and the Hork-Bajir Chronicles. I remember those books. But I – so I some of this kind of stuff must have seeped in somewhere, but I do not remember any of it. Yeah, this is all relevant to Andalite Chronicles, but never explicitly referenced in Andalite Chronicles. Yeah, so but it's, not it's the other possible ones. maybe I just never came across this. I don't know. But yeah, this yeah. – this was a fucking revelation. <laughs> well, we've we've hyped it up. If you haven't read the series now, you're probably wondering what the fuck happens, right? Um, Let them know. But uh, so they're in the taxon's mouth, and then all of a sudden, time stops. Uh, like just completely stops. There's no more like there's no more vibrations. They don't hear anything. They don't even smell anything because the air isn't moving, and they all start involuntarily demorphing. Uh, and they just turn into humans in the middle of the York pool, in the middle of the cafeteria in the York pool, and everyone is frozen. Um, and so it's just like, what the fuck? So they kind of panic. They start running out of the cafeteria. They run into the main pool area. It's, it's all stopped. Everything stopped, you know, you know, people on the pier midway through being infested, uh, you know, just total stop. And, Tobias is there too, and he's a human, and he doesn't know how he got there. He just all of a sudden teleported in here and was a human and not a hawk. So that so that we, was my first thing, by the way, that as I was reading, slipping in and out of consciousness, like Tobias, what? Huh? What? And wait, yeah. and they're not. Wait, why aren't they moving? What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, there's this like voice that's like super thought speak. That's coming from like everywhere and addressing them. And 
They describe it as the air itself opening up and a guy steps out, like just steps into reality from somewhere else. Uh, he looks like an old guy with a big beard and pointy ears. He's blue and glows like a light bulb, and there seem to be stars within his eyes. Uh, he says that he is an Elamist. Uh, Axe knows what Elamists are from his Andalite fairy tales, but he didn't think that they were, uh, real. So he's, like, terrified of this thing. And, uh, we, we, basically what Axe describes him as is he says, Elamists live within the very fabric of space-time, and, uh, as far as we puny mortals are concerned, they're basically all-powerful. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> right, like... <laughs> Uh, by the way, for people who, for anyone who, for some reason, is listening to this and not actually reading the books, the the Elamist's dialogue is uh, depicted as just all caps bold font. Yes, all caps. They they describe it. the The description is, and I quote: "The voice came from everywhere at once and from nowhere. It wasn't a voice, not really. It wasn't even thought speak. It was like an idea that simply popped into your head." The words exploded like bursting balloons inside your own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even really talk to you, just, like, his sentences appear in your mind. <laughs> yes. That is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this was very unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, my first day was like, okay, so I, because I, I knew there was a book called The Elamist Chronicles. Never once did I ever even wonder what an Elamist was. Yeah. What I, the heck's an Elamist? I, I didn't even <laughs> give it a second thought. It was just like, I don't know, the Elamist, whatever, we'll get there. Uh, I was like, okay, well, that's. We sure will. That's what it is, I guess. Yeah, it's about this guy. <laughs> uh, and uh, by the way, side note, but, but uh, they still have not ever used the term Nothlet. That has not been uttered once so far. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I just remember you mentioning it, so I was thought that was interesting. Maybe Axe says it in his book when he's describing Tobias. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, perhaps. So, so Elamists essentially are, from my understanding, like the Watchers in Marvel Comics, if you know them. Um, or maybe or a little bit like Q from Star Trek. Uh, also, I, I kind of got maybe like a little bit like Dr. Manhattan from uh, from Watchmen. Dr. Manhattan's not that far off, honestly. Yeah, a race of Dr. Manhattans. <laughs> yeah, well, so what's very interesting about it is that for most of the series, he's first off, sometimes he calls himself an Elemist, and sometimes he calls himself the Elemist, and it's never clear whether there's one or many, or if our ideas of the idea of separate entities doesn't quite apply to him, somehow he's maybe both. Mm. Um, that's not as clear in this book, but as as we go on, it, it's just not clear whether how like are there how many elements are there, and is that even a question with any kind of meaning to it? Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it seems like it's not explicit, but it seems like we're assuming from the point of view of Rachel, at least that. And from what Axe says, that there are more of them. But maybe I was reading into it. It's uh, that was the impression yeah. I got was that there. Yeah, we maybe we don't really know, but it kind of seems like there's more than one. But yeah, yeah. In the first book, it definitely seems like there's a lot. But as we go on, it becomes very unclear what that means. Um, 
And like I said, Axe is getting all of his information from literal fairy tales, right? Like this is mm. the equivalent of like, you know, seeing a, a cabin made of candy or something. And there's like a witch or I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say a unicorn kind of, or something. And you're like, yeah, oh, or, I know about unicorns or like a dragon. I don't know. But like this, it's something that clearly should not be real. It's clearly fictional, but like here it is. And I know it's dangerous. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess the Elmas has more in common with like Loki, right, or some kind of trickster god. Um, perhaps. I also, I also did write down, although I don't think it's as good of a, <laughs> a comparison. Slarda Bartfast, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which maybe yeah. is a little bit more of the next part. But I, Hitchhiker's Guide. The, I the, could yeah. see a Slarda Bartfast. Yeah, that which yeah, yeah, also yeah. sounds like an Andalite name. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> It'd be That's like Slartimus Barta Badart Fast or something with some hyphens in there. I like uh, that the Elamist uh, um, knows Andalites too. Like when he shows up, he's like, "What humility from an Andalite?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Axe is terrified of him. <laughs> I mean, this is just so. I mean, we're gonna talk more about this Elamist, but just yeah, this whole part was overwhelming yeah. with what just. It was, we're not even halfway through the book and it just flips upside yeah, down everything your changes. understanding of the universe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like... mean, my fan theory is that the taxon ate them and they all died and this is just a hallucination. <laughs> <laughs> Representation of heaven. Uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, this is start, This is my idea of heaven, that's for sure. So, <laughs> and by the way, there's some, the descriptions of when the York pool is frozen are really disturbing. The York oh, pool yeah. is still the most horrifying thing in these books. Yes. Yeah, it's terrifying. Like, there's people, like, mid-scream as the Yorks are entering their ears and stuff. It's Yes, a Yerk was halfway into her ear. She was crying. Her tears were motionless on her cheeks. It's like... God, it's so fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and then this becomes a uh, you know turns into some deep philosophical shit. Yeah, this, uh, this book because the, the Elmist is here for a reason. He says he's appeared before them uh, so that they can decide the fate of the human race. Uh, basically, he says, um, you know, he knows the future and. Uh, the Yerks are going to win, and they are going to lose, and the whole planet's going to be destroyed. Uh, and he, as as an Elamist, is not allowed to interfere in the affairs of sentient species. Um, you know, <laughs> but like, and so that's it. Everything's doomed. But it's all over. I but if I was allowed to, it might go a little something like this. <laughs> well, what he says is, uh, he's put aside a planet. <laughs> Right, it's basically like a nature reserve <laughs> that we might have for endangered animals, <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna pick out some selected humans and stuff, and he's gonna put them on the planet, and then those humans can be saved. But he'll only but but they have to decide if he can do it or not. So they have to make a choice: should he take them and some selected people and save them on their little nature preserve planet, or should he uh, not do this? And, uh, and he says, if you say yes, I'll do it right now. Like, this instant. Boom, you're all zapped to the planet. And if you say no, uh, well, then the Yerks win, and you all lose, and you uh, and everybody dies. And you'll go right back to where you were. You'll be being eaten by the taxon again. Right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
you know, he also kind of takes them on this uh, journey too, right? Where he, um, he, he like pops them into existence, like, uh, you know, under the ocean and in the savanna and in the jungle and shows them all the different like human cities and civilizations. And as he's doing it, they're like basically teleported here. Like they're walking through air like he is. And, and he's saying, you know, this in all the galaxy, you know, there's no greater art than this. This is I want this is why I want to preserve the earth, because I love life and I love this and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> he's an earthophile. So, yeah, he's a little earthophile. Um and uh yeah, I mean <laughs> I, I guess we could talk about this choice before we uh say what they say here, but God, I like, don't even it's it's a great scene. I, I like go, him showing them all the stuff on the planets. That's it's, it's like you're watching a great like IMAX <laughs> nature documentary or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, mean, I mean, yeah. So that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, the choice yeah. is why. Like I said, some philosophical shit. Like, yeah. To, the now, Elmist really is the uh, bearer of bad news with this one. You know, I I have to agree with that. Now, you you said. I, I'm wondering what your perspective is on this because I'm, I'm maybe I'm just a little torn on it, but I feel like I, I don't. It feels like clearly the choice is to say no, and I mean for multiple reasons. And mm-hmm. I almost don't. I mean, it's not. I do buy it, but a part of me almost feels like that they wouldn't even consider this. I don't know. Do do you feel like? this should be a, a hard choice for them or what do you, um, what choice would you, do you think is the right one? I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know what choice is the right one. I would not like to say yes to the Elemist, but I, I can understand it being a difficult choice to make, right? When somebody offers you a way out, um, cause where you're set, like, cause, cause whether or not you believe him that everybody's going to lose, right? You are here fighting in a war and you're facing your potential death every day. But he's telling you, you could be safe and your family could be safe and your friends could be safe and you'll lose the war and everybody will, will die. But like you personally have a way out. Um, there's actually a lot of parallels between that and Rachel's decision with her dad. Like, obviously she's got to stay with her mom, right? Um, in part, just so that she can keep fighting with the Animorphs. But like, that's a way out, and that's very tempting. Um, I mean, when you look at the characters, uh, Tobias thinks of this thing as being like a zoo. He doesn't want to do it. Uh, Axe doesn't trust the Elemist at all. Um, Marco seems more like you. Like, he literally doesn't even seem to consider it. He's thinking about other things here, which uh, we'll see here. And everyone assumes Rachel's on board, but she is having doubts, right? And and Cassie's like, actually, I think maybe the Elmist has a point. Right. 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 Jake doesn't like it either, uh, though. Um, it's it's interesting. Cassie is the only one who really is feeling it. Uh, yeah. She said, well, what she says, and I think it is interesting, is she says, um, I take care of lots of sick animals. They're always afraid of me, even though I'm trying to help them. Are we being brave by saying no, or are we just being foolish, resisting someone who's trying to save us? So I think there is, maybe Cassie has some kind of a perspective there where she, um, where she, she is equating that and basically saying like, listen, the Elemist is to us as I am to a mouse, right? I can't, 
I don't know why he's doing this, but it is for the greater good. The mouse doesn't know why I'm doing all this bullshit, but I am helping it. Which, from from some perspective, seems almost a little, I like, at the very least, arrogant to be like, mm-hmm. uh, like, it feels like she's clearly got some bias. Because if she says, oh, this guy's not doing the right thing, I feel like then she also has to question whether she is doing the right thing, like mm-hmm. <laughs> capturing animals. It's like, what if they don't, what if we don't know better than them? Like, what the fuck do we know? Mm-hmm. We're, maybe they're supposed to have a hurt leg or something and we're the idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, that not that be. I, not that I like really, I don't, I'm not saying we shouldn't help hurt animals, yeah. but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we can talk about it a little more later, but I do think that Cassie in general has a tendency to always kind of be the the series in general likes to kind of put Cassie kind of on the right track but not like what she says you'll you'll immediately push back on it as being obviously wrong but in some way it'll get paid off as like actually she's sort of on the right track here because I think in this position a lot of what she's doing is not assessing the choice at all I think a lot of what she's doing is assessing the elemist and saying I think he's asking us in good faith right Right. Well, that's the other, that's the real the thing about this is you don't know, you've, we've never met this fucking guy before. We don't know what he is or where he's from. Like you're, you're placing, you're assume, you have to assume what he's saying is true. That's, I think mm-hmm. that's really where my sticking point is, is yeah. if, 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 if I knew for a fact what he was saying was true, then there's maybe more reason to go along with it, but there's no actual proof that this isn't just some lunatic or something yeah i mean i mean jake jake does he says like why are you even asking us if you can tell the future and right. axe is sitting there axe actually says based on his fairy tales he says uh elemists are not interested in what is fair elemists give you a choice that is no choice at all then they can claim they do not interfere they will pretend it was a human decision so Axe yeah, is very much on the, whatever the Elemis game is here, he's like, he's forcing this choice, right? Like he's saying, well, you're all going to get eaten and dead again. And Tobias will be a hawk again. And, uh, you know, if you don't say yes right now, kind of thing, like it's clearly not a fair option. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, so they do say ultimately decide no, but he says, they're yeah, gonna give, he's gonna give him another chance. But be- well, before they do that, um, because cause I said Marco didn't even consider it. Marco is, like, looking around, and he kind of notices and draws Jake and Rachel's attention to there's a drop shaft. Uh, mm-hmm. So Marco is just thinking about, like, well, we're going to say no, so how are we going to get out of this? And he sees the drop shaft and is kind of, like, eyeballing it. Um, so they do they do end up saying no with the idea that maybe we can escape out through that drop shaft. Um, right. And, uh, and when they say... No, they're like only halfway through the sentence when they just pop back into the taxon's mouth. And the Elemist says, if you live, I will ask you once more. Um. <laughs> so fuck, fuck this fucking guy. I hate this guy. <laughs> I love the Elemist, honestly. One but it's more. Kind of like, like, why? Why? What, who decided that rule? Why is this? What? You could fucking. Why isn't it five more? What is this just stupid? It's arbitrary. I don't. This guy's, he's, he's annoying. I, I don't like him. Well, we'll we'll, we'll see. I don't about like authority. Why he might be doing okay. <laughs> we'll see about why he might be doing these things. You you ask. You give me a choice. I'm going to say fuck you. Neither. <laughs> you know that's just that's just how it is. Anyway, uh, well, whatever. They uh, they demorph inside the taxon, uh, and Axe cuts it open with his tail. Uh, so they're all like covered in taxon goo. 
and um, they run for it. Remember Men and in Black? I, yeah, I do, actually. Okay, continue. Uh, but yeah, they cut their way out of the taxi in the middle of the cafeteria as humans. I don't really know. Whatever. They they all run for it. All the controllers run after them. Um, <laughs> everybody but Axe and Rachel make it to the drop shaft, uh, and she's like, ah, oh, just keep going. Um, and Rachel morphs into her new bear morph uh, instead of going for elephant without ever having testing it. Uh, and she goes full on like berserker mode and just starts killing everyone in a rage. Uh, you might call it a bear berserker mode, um, mm-hmm. but she mm-hmm. she literally like she blacks out. Like she has no memory of the fight, no experience of the fight until she's escaping in the drop shaft. Jake has apparently joined the fight and she is trying to kill him too in the drop shaft as a tiger. And he's like, "More Rachel, you have to. You are out of control." But whatever, they get out, they escape. <clears throat> Yeah, as she as she says, uh, maybe is why part of the Latin name for the grizzly species is horribilis. Yeah, why that's does true? Why does Rachel know that? Feels like a Cassie line to me. <laughs> that think. does feel like you got a good point here. <laughs> Rachel doesn't know the Latin name for the grizzly. <laughs> yeah, you think if um if in the middle of that grizzly fight, you think if if her ears had been ripped off, you think she'd be a bee? Oh my god. <laughs> You like that one? <laughs> it's a thinker. It's a thinker. <laughs> yeah. I guess I do think that. So, yeah. That's good. I'm glad you think that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, this escape scene is like the biggest bullshit yet on how, how aren't they caught? Right? Yeah, they don't they they literally see them as humans. Yeah, they do. Rachel, you know, you know what their excuse is for this is Rachel says, let's bail before they can think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and not and not once does any of them go, I hope they didn't like five figure it out that we're people like it just doesn't they don't yeah. even address it. They're just like yeah. eh, just don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it. <laughs> just go. Yeah, just don't go. worry. It seems like she's talking to the viewer, honestly, at that point. <laughs> it is I mean, yeah, that you are right. Yeah. This is it's ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's totally impossible that they're not found out here. <sighs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, but they are, but they, but they, I guess they don't, I guess it all works so, out. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. They're out. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they make it. Anyway, but I like, you know, it's a good, I like Rachel losing control of being a scary Barry. That's fun. Yeah. She, she is out of control. She's very out of control in this book. Yeah. It's great. Just in my, general. My favorite part's coming up too, so. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, the next day, um, Rachel ends up skipping school. Uh, she she actually, her mom's pissed at her in the morning because she just walks back in with her morphing outfit, no shoes, no nothing, goes straight to bed without dinner. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, she, it's you know, it's worth noting she does come home barefoot. Yeah, that's in my notes. So I was going to say that. But... I beat you to that one. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Get wrecked. Um, but yeah, she skips school. She just doesn't go to school that day. Uh, she sits around watching daytime TV and uh, ruminating on all of her shit. Um, she goes around flying as an eagle. Uh, but anyway, she meets up with them after school at Cassie's barn. Uh, and th- they're all mad. Jake is like pissed, 
Right, Jake's like, Rachel, you need to get your skipping school, you're doing bullshit. Tobias saw her flying in the middle of the day, uh, just kind of morphing. Um, you're doing the bear shit. Um, and Rachel kind of has a meltdown about her dad. She tells him about her dad's divorce, and she kind of has a meltdown about it, because it's like, I'm, I don't know what to choose. This shouldn't even be that important relative to everything else. Like, I, I feel like Rachel feels bad for feeling bad about it. Um, Marco sees that even Rachel is losing it, and he says, uh, you know what? If the Elmas does show up again, I change my mind. Fuck it. We're like, I can't, even Rachel's losing it. How are we supposed to do this? Um, he implies that he actually might bargain with the Elmas to save his mom here, too, notably. Mm. Um, and so at this point, right, the vote's kind of 2-2, right? Cassie and Marco are like, you know what, I'll do it. Tobias and Jake are like, no, I won't do it. Axe is like, I don't know that I should be in this because it's a human decision. And Rachel, who everyone had assumed was for it, has kind of just declared herself as undecided. So we're at almost at a tied vote on if we're going to do the Elemist thing or not. And so right at the moment when it's tied, the Elemist shows up again. And says, I promised I would ask you again. I will show you what you need to understand. So here we are in the barn. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, the more I think about this, the the more just annoyed at Cassie I am. <laughs> I don't. Can you, can you rationalize to me why she uh, thinks that it's unethical to turn into a dolphin, but she's okay with a higher life form, like, taking control of their choices in this instance that feels like two opposed schools of thought to me well no because she's not opposed to turning into a dolphin with the dolphin's permission (laughs) like like legitimately in the book she's not i mean the cassie's whole thing and it it definitely irritated me more as a child than as an adult like when i was a kid i was mad at Cassie all the time. But I I feel like I I see this a little bit differently now. Cassie's whole thing is that Cassie is attempting to still be a moral and ethical person. And you can't really do that in a wartime situation. And so she's going to end up saying like, well, let's try to be a good person. But you can't. So, but so she's always contradictory. Nothing she says logically fits together. Nothing she says is practical. Uh, but she's doing her best to be good. And in some sense, that makes her, like, the best of them. And there are ways, again, I'll talk about it at the end of this book. She is on to something here. She sees that the Elemist does legitimately want to help them. Like, she is a good judge of character. She's not a good judge of this dilemma, but she is a good judge of character, and she is seeing truthfully that the Elemist is trying to help them. I guess. She trusts him to some extent. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That's Fine. my justification. Whatever. What I what I like about <laughs> this scene is I like Rachel in her doesn't give a fuck period. And yeah. I'm I'm into this just again, you know, again, a little bit uh I don't know. I think there's maybe some parallels here to uh the famous The Stranger by Albert Camus. Mhm. And uh 
you know, I, I, I just, I, I like the Rachel that's just like, I'm not going to school. Who gives a fuck? The world's gonna end. Fuck you. <laughs> that's, yeah. This is great. It feels, yeah. feels good. It feels it's just satisfying. a good line where Jake's like, you, why, you went to the gardens and acquired that bear without any backup, didn't you? And she's like, No, nah, I met that bear at the mall. Yeah, that, that, and that was what I was thinking of. There was another sarcasm line in the beginning that I couldn't remember, but, but I was trying to paraphrase that. Okay. One oh, is that that's the one? Okay. That was. Oh, another, this yeah. is. This is an important chapter. This is the first chapter where Marco actually calls her Xena. Yes, which she does reference at the beginning for the second time that Marco always calls her that. Yeah. So (laughs) now he does always call her that. Yeah. Uh, And I I have to say this. So when it happens... She interrupts. In fact, he actually doesn't get to say the full line. He says, come on, you're Xena. And he, she interrupts him. No, I'm not some stupid TV character. I'm not some comic book. And she goes into this um, little little monologue, which is mm-hmm. a pretty good monologue that I feel like would hit a lot harder if it weren't the first time he ever called her that. <laughs> like that, I feel like that would have more impact if it was like for once she's like, "No, Marco, stop calling me that." But I'm I'm too busy thinking like that's the only time he's ever said it. <laughs> well, if you read him out of order, it wouldn't be. <laughs> At the machete order, I guess you got to figure that out. But still, yeah. a good a good part. It was just like just you know just strange. I, I yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. Marco's got some pretty good descriptions of like PTSD here. He's got a thing where he yeah. says, uh, "I feel like my skin has all been rubbed with sandpaper. I'm jumpy. I'm scared. I'm stressed." Right? It's like there's it, we're getting into it. Like we're yes. talking about how this is affecting them. I really, I really like, I like how fast, how quickly it's taking a toll on them. Yeah. Just, they are just fucked up by it. the literal weight of the world, the literal figurative weight of the world of being upon them. Yeah. I, I mean, like <clears throat> it's notable that you're calling out Cassie for, um, for wanting to do this, but you don't call out Marco because it, it, I will say it is very believable uh, the way that Marco describes how he feels and what his life is like, that he would want to give up, that he would want to say, you know what, fuck it. If I can save my mom, right? If I can bargain with the Elemist to be like, you know what, put my mom on the planet with me, mm, you know what, screw right. it. If you can put my mom and dad on the planet, I, I do want to be done. Like, that's yeah. what he's here for. You yeah. believe him. Yeah, I don't begrudge anyone for making that choice. It, I, it, Cassie's specifically her reasoning for it, I just think is silly. But. Mm. You know. Yeah, Cassie's reasoning is always a little off, but I think her heart is good. <laughs> I suppose her heart is good. <laughs> also, just in the, I think it was the last book, maybe the one before that. No, it, yeah, it was the, when the Yurk is in Jake's brain. There's the whole, which the, the themes clearly are carrying over here. They have an extended conversation about how humans will fight even when they know they can't win. I mean, yeah. so th- this coming right on the heels of that feels like, oh, we like, don't we know how, what they're going to do? You fight even if you know you can't win. We just learned that lesson. That's what yeah, he's telling yeah. us. But yeah, we did but, just learn that lesson. I guess only Jake learned it. He didn't tell everybody about that part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, the problem with that lesson is that it only applies to some people and sometimes you do give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, humanity as a whole, right? So yeah, the humanity yeah. unfortunately has un- unbeknownst to them the fate their fate is in the hands of five teenagers who are who are really stupid. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I should. Uh, yeah. I'll just. We'll say reckless. We'll say yeah. reckless. Great, great group, uh, representative group for the Elemis to ask to make the choice for all of us. <laughs> yeah, well, they're the only ones who know, so. That's true, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know um, what, maybe, maybe the Elemist is asking other people we don't know about, he's got doing, like, census data. And no, well, uh, we'll get to it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I don't know, I think maybe. All right. So then uh, he takes them on a little fun trip. He takes them on a little fun trip. They, Field uh... Trip. They all teleport to um, uh, to the future, right? They teleport to a blasted out field with like smashed up building parts that they realize is their school uh, in the future. And, uh, and Tobias is, of course, human with them again, because why not? Um, everything is falling apart. It's all dead and dilapidated. There's like skeletons just lying around. The sky is like slightly the wrong color. Um, so they all start walking toward the mall, and they find this, like, high-speed tube system, uh, like, train system there. So they uh, they go to get on it. Axe morphs into a human. They get on it, and they go downtown. Uh, and they're not out of place because every human is a controller now. So it's, it's fine. They can just walk around as humans, no problem. Um, all the buildings, the buildings are like, some of them are demolished. Some of them have been converted into like hives for taxons to live in. Um, uh, they get to the center city. The whole center city has been converted into this massive above ground York pool. Um, and they also see the EGS tower, which is the tallest building in the city. It has had the top sheared off it and it's been turned into like this beacon. Um, so yeah, the, this, this long extended series of scenes of them walking through this, this wasteland, that's just this, like completely all hope is gone. This is what's going to happen if you don't make the choice. Yeah. I don't know why I keep coming back to dark tower parallels, but <laughs> you know, mm. you know, it's kind of like a little bit of Blaine the train here, maybe <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> Some, yeah. the, the wasteland kind of feeling. I don't, just to reiterate for, again, for maybe people who haven't read these in a while or haven't read them at all. I don't know if it like the impact of how, just how <laughs> I'm trying to use an interesting word. That's not just crazy. <laughs> This, yeah, like that we have just we we have we just learned there's an all powerful race of called Elemists, and now yes. like forty pages later, we're also in the future, seeing the end of the world when Yorks have won. Like this, this is so much happening so fast. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a it's it's a it's a great. I mean, it's it's very cool and exciting. It, it's. There's something very fun about that. A lot of this to me does feel pretty Star Trek-y uh, in a good way. But, you know, you, like the mm -hmm. just it's not kind of an alternate universe or seeing the future. And it's like this is like, I don't know, some of, again, a Buffy thing. I feel like a lot of a lot of fun TV shows, especially sci-fi shows, will have the episode where you get to see like the bad stuff happens and they have to like reverse it and or they go to another dimension where everyone's evil or something. It has that kind of vibe to it. That's just fun. It's fun. And it's really, well, we'll get to the next part, which I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we might as well just get to it when you get to have the, like a confrontation that otherwise isn't possible in the normal way that these books go. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, if, if we, uh, yeah, why not? We can I, just talk about I, I all I, of it. Because yeah. mostly at this point, it's just talking about like the vibes, right? Like there's, right. there's crazy shit going on here. Um, 
but yeah, they're they're gonna end up running into uh, Visser three, who is now Visser one. Um, there's well, there was actually a confrontation before this where uh, where they got through some suspicious people by having Axe morph Andalite and telling them he's he's Visser three. Oh right. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, they run into the real uh, Visser one, and uh, and he's got Rachel there who's now in her early 20s and she's a controller. So Rachel and Rachel show up together, right? It's a great it's a great thing, right? Um, <laughs> fun little scene. Yeah. Well, this this kind of um, g- gives Rachel her thing as we were saying as I, last book I was saying Cassie and Rachel don't have a, like a personal thing yet. Hmm. Well, how, how so? I'm, I'm confused. How so? I, well, I was I was saying that, like, um, you know, in terms of their personal relationship to the Yurk invasion, Marco mm-hmm. has his mom, Jake has his brother. Like, now Rachel has potentially herself. Like, her own, her own personal future is at stake in addition to the rest of the world, That's true. Yeah. And uh and Tobias too, because it's worth noting that uh all the other animorphs have been like killed or infested. And they actually say oh, that God. Um, <laughs> Rachel in the future uh killed and cooked and ate Tobias. The the Yurk infested Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little fucked. It's so fucked up. I wanna I, do you have that passage? Uh uh I don't have that passage here I, I, exactly. I, I, Though I could, they they said it was with yeah. barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, your friend Tobias was delicious. You had a leg, as I recall. You <laughs> ate it and laughed. I mean, that's so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and and we know now what it's like that the real Rachel is like there in the corner of her mind, like probably like crying and and pleading as as she's being forced to eat Tobias. <laughs> Jesus fucking York's like Christ. laughing at her. I mean, that is legitimately sick, man. That is <laughs> right? So deeply disturbing. Uh haunting shit. I, I the the best thing about this chapter is I I finally I can now write a fan fiction with an of age Rachel to ship. <laughs> finally. Yeah, with with Visser 1. Yeah, well, I, I thought, you know, now that you know that you can, the easy fix for all your Animorphs rom- romance fix, you just set it in the future, this future timeline, you know? You That's just true. say, it's when the Yurks are taking over, but it's like they're still kind of, you just make them all, I don't know, they're in the apocalypse This or is not the last time we are going to do time weird time shenanigan bullshit, so you have plenty of opportunities okay. here. I should hope not. Now, I was a little confused and I guess it's maybe cleared up by the end of the book as to whether or not, like, did they legit time travel? Or is this just, like, a possible future, another timeline, a dimension? I, You know, like, how real is this? How actually happening is this? I, I it's don't... interesting. <laughs> it's not clear at all, right? Um, <laughs> like, they, in fact, when they show up, the reason they show Visser One and Rachel show up is because Rachel told Visser One they would be here because she remembers coming here as the first Rachel, like just straight. She right. remembers it, which means that they, which of course means that they must have made the choice to stay 
and that that must have been somehow wrong or something. But the Elamist is trying to get them to change their choice. Uh, and so there's, it's very strange. And um, there's also this whole thing where they basically say, well, well, they can't hurt us because this had to happen in the past, but we can hurt them. So they're like charging an attack. And Rachel actually has a good line where she's charging Visser 1 as a bear. And she says, oh, we'll see who eats who. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's very strange. And there's also this weird uh, thing where they're talking about like six kids or five kids in an Andalite. And it seems like maybe there were supposed to be six kids. It's not clear what's going on here. If the Elamist is just showing them a possible future or putting them in a different timeline or if like what the hell is going on um but it is clear that this is not quite the future somehow or maybe it is Um, it's like a branching timeline maybe i mean if you start to really anytime you introduce time travel to anything it's just it none of it makes sense yeah (laughs) now what I do like is the first time they do it, she immediately acknowledges. Like, this stuff is in the text where, where it's just like, this doesn't quite line up. There's something off about it. Uh, and so it, it doesn't, like, break the books in any way to say that this doesn't quite work because you know it doesn't quite work. Um, in fact, the, the idea that it quite works, that it works exactly isn't the point, as we'll find out later. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's a thing. But, yeah, I love... Th- all this stuff, like I said, the again, kind of like I said last book, the like villains and heroes getting to talk and having Visser three, like you know, mm-hmm. they don't have to pretend that they're Andalites or whatever. Uh, I did think it was really kind of funny that <laughs> that Visser three refers to them as anamorphs, like that's a real thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I finally got you anamorphs. It's just this stupid fucking word Marco made up. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you can imagine when he's in the end game and he's got one of them infested and he's trying to hunt the others down that he maybe he is saying, I'll get you anamorphs, you anamorph bandits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. Uh, I, so, I also yeah. like that he doesn't like Elamists. Like they, they talk about the whole thing. Visser 3 brings up a lot of these time paradoxes himself and says, ah, those fucking Elamists always doing their bullshit. Like he sneers at them. He's not, <laughs> he has no respect for this. <laughs> yeah, but but maybe they would bond over like some cats. We, they both are like, oh wow, the tiger is so beautiful mm. of this earth. <laughs> That's true, the tiger of this earth. Yeah. Ooh, imagine if if a yerk infested an elamist. Yeah, that, I guess that's. I'm just imagining I don't know. it. <laughs> a yerk. It, it's not. The elamist isn't a thing. It's <laughs> not. He, they don't. They lives, don't have a brain. <laughs> they don't have a mind. He lives outside the confines of physical reality. <laughs> So technically, the Yerks are already inside of him. They're every sure. That's the trick. Or he's inside of them. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. This is going sure. to my fanfic too. Yeah, there's other interesting things here with this future, like um, like when they have to morph uh, Axe to pretend to be Visser Three. The lady is suspicious of them. She asks them if uh, if there may be spies. Which raises the implication, are there still free humans? Are there Yerks that are rebelling? Like, what? what's a spy mean here? Huh, Maybe it's right. an Andalite and human morph? Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, wouldn't they have killed the Andalites by now or something? I don't know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, clearly Visser 1 seems to still be the only uh, Andalite morph. So, I guess they didn't beat him. Marco right. implies they might have beaten him. Max is not happy about that. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah 
but it's yeah, good. We do we do also see once again that all the taxing controllers are um, voluntary because their pools are just kind of sitting around on top of their hives, and they're like, yeah, whatever. They just they're chill. into it. They like that shit. <laughs> yeah, they are into it. They like it. That's their kink. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also they also note here in this future that all the cages around the giant inner city York pool are very different because everyone like everyone's hope is crushed. You know, they're not screaming or crying. They're all just kind of sitting there. Right. Uh, it's a very <laughs> yes. dark vision of the future. Yes. It, yes, it certainly is. It certainly is. You know what I kind of got shades of in this part? It was a little like uh, Samurai Jack. Uh, hmm. Sort of the, I don't know. I feel like there's episodes like, you know, I mean, all of Samurai Jack theoretically is a possible future, right? Yeah. That, that he's trying to go back to change. So I sort of had that feeling of like a confrontation with the Aku or something. Yeah. <laughs> Samurai Jack has some extreme Elemist vibes to it. Mm. That's a strong point. Interesting. Interesting. I haven't considered that. Yeah. 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 I feel it. <laughs> I'm feeling it for sure. What do you think yeah. happened to Marco's mom now that Visser 3 is Visser 1? You think she uh, got demoted? You think she got killed? <laughs> Yeah, I guess just they probably would have killed her. What the what? Is, well, or just some rando Yurk is in her body now. Yeah, they don't really care. Who knows? It, it was I, it was a, it was kind of confusing this part because, like you said, Visser Three is now Visser One, but they sort of still refer to him as Visser Three. So I was yeah. like, they I was think like, of wait, him as is, Visser 3. is Visser is the other Visser One there? I was a little confused, but like, is Rachel Visser the old Visser One, or is Rachel's just a new Yurk now, the Rachel controller? There's no way the Rachel controller's new is old Visser one. She's on way too good terms with him. Mm, oh, I see. yeah, right, right. So we just we don't yeah. know who that is. That's just some yeah. Yerk. It's some some Yerk, some lieutenant who he put there okay. or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, but but yeah, they uh, they attack him. Um, they attack Visser one. And uh, just as Rachel's about to, like, smack him, uh, they teleport back to the present, and Rachel's a human, and she smacks a tree instead and hurts her hand. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all, like, exhausted, and they feel totally defeated. The future's hopeless, and they basically all say, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go. You know what, Elemist? You can zap us. We're we're fucking done. Jake's trying to hold out, but they're done. Um, But then nothing happens. Right. They, they say that, but he's not there. He doesn't respond. Nothing happens. So uh, they just kind of go about their day, and they're like, I don't know if or when we're going to disappear or what the hell. Um, <laughs> and uh, they have a scene where the next day Rachel and Cassie are in history class. Uh, it's, it's well, we'll talk about it, but we have a scene where, where the next day where they're in history class and... Um, the teacher's talking about like World War II and like, oh, you can't second guess history and uh, talking about like the butterfly effect and how things like small changes can t- totally alter the course. And as she's doing it, she like looks right at Rachel and starts acting super weird and repeating stuff and then like kind of comes out of a daze. Like, like, what the hell was that all about? And um, And so Cassie and Rachel are trying to figure out what's going on, like. Why did he offer, he offered him a choice and then they, they said no, even though obviously the answer was yes, that he wanted them to say. And then he didn't accept no. He said, all right, I'm going to offer you a choice again. And then they said yes. And now he's not doing it. So what the hell is this all about? (laughs) 
Great questions. Great questions. Great questions. Well, they're thinking about it and they realize, uh, what if that first time Marco saw that drop shaft, what if he was supposed to? What if the Elemist waited to ask them the question until they got out and saw the drop shaft and that was on purpose? And he's like, actually, like he wasn't asking them anything at all. He was showing them the drop shaft. Uh, what if he's not asking us questions at all? Um, and uh, Rachel figures out that she figures out that the Candrona is in the EGS tower. She realizes, why is that tower like a beacon? Why is the Yerk pool there in the future, right? They had all these, they saw that tower. It was there. It looked like a beacon. Uh, it looked all special. Why was that building untouched? Well, the Candrona is special to them. What if that's the location of the first Candrona? What if the Elemist wasn't asking us anything about the choice? He wanted us to find out where the Candrona was. Basically, the Elemist is cheating, right? He's not allowed to tell them information. He's not allowed to help them. He can only ask to put them away. So he asked them to put them, he asked them if they want to do it. And if they should so happen to figure out how to do other things along the way, then that's not his fault. He didn't do anything wrong. He played by the rules. Uh, so that's, <laughs> I love this. I don't know how you feel about this. I mean. But I love this. Love, what do you, what's this? Love what? The, the element, the the elemist's BS. The fact that the elemist, <laughs> by his own rules, is a gigantic cheater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the I el- don't. Uh, I I like it. I like the you know in terms of entertainment value. I think that I think the elemist himself is a <laughs> hypocritical piece of shit. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, the elemist is a piece of shit. That's that's what makes him so fun. Yeah, we can't interfere directly except when we do. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the point. It's, no, the fuck Elemist, no. It's not the even Elemist, a cheat. He's just interfering. <laughs> he's interfering. Well, he's yes, interfering he's interfering directly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is. But he's doing it in a way where he can pretend he's playing by the rules. To to for whose benefit? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> okay. Like what? What's very clear here is that he has rules. He doesn't want to have them, but he has them. But, but how is just how is talking to them at all not breaking the rules? <laughs> like, well, I'm I'm gonna let you in. He may have gotten permission to do this. Okay. He may have been able to go in and say, "Listen, I don't want to interfere. I'm just gonna pop them off on a planet. The outcome of the battle will be the same. Everything's fine. They'll just go over there. I'll ask him, is that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool." Just don't interfere with the outcome of the war. That is, may be something like what he's doing. This is like I, 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 I mean, I'm standing in a swimming pool, and I'm like, I have now. I have some boundaries. I'm not allowed to swim in this pool, so I'm not going to go into the deep end over there. Uh, I'm standing in the pool now, but I'm not allowed to, which is why I'm not going in the deep end. <laughs> but you're you're in the pool. Doesn't matter if it's deep or it's shallow. You've done it. You've all, you're doing it actively. I don't I don't know. It's fuck well, guy. not 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 interfere. Remembers a very human idea. You know, like he might be able to interfere. I mean, in it's, certain agreed upon ways, but like the outcome of the battle, the outcome of the war between Yerks and humans, he's not allowed to interfere in. I mean, if it's like, uh, I sh- maybe, I don't know if how clear that was, but if it's like the, the prime directive in Star Trek, th- that is that you, you're not supposed to like 
give uh, uh, any like another society technology or something like you're not supposed to interfere with like the advancement of their species or whatever um or for certain worlds or something like that i don't know so mm-hmm. it, it seems maybe it's like they can still go talk to them sometimes i don't really remember yeah. it's something yeah. like that maybe I, I, you could I, I pull some guys up and put them in the federation as long as it's just those guys you know <laughs> yeah yeah uh i i will just backtrack a little you know when they all make their choice i do think tobias agrees only because uh he he says like oh we could go we, maybe we could come back someday and restart the earth like, oh, he just wants to fucking bang rachel for eternity and <laughs> make a bunch of new earth babies that's his uh, that's his uh... fantasy yeah, good job, Tobias. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, this could work to my advantage, mm. <laughs> uh, which is yeah, which is which is weird. Uh, but, but like, listen, Cassie spent the whole time in the future thinking something's wrong. Like he's made his point. Why does he keep showing us this? Cassie, this whole time is sort of onto something. He is coming to them, trying to help them, legitimately, benevolently. He something is going on and she does figure out that something is going on the quickest of all of them. Uh, like, I, I think that this is one of those times where it's like, Cassie was right all along. You thought she was wrong, but somehow she was right. I, I think know. so. I, I, I think so. I if she was right, it was by accident. <laughs> I don't be, you could be right, but it, that doesn't mean you were being rational, you know. Well, no, Cassie's not rational. That's not how. That's okay. not how she works. Well, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't give her full points for that. She's she's on the right track. Uh, I, don't, I don't like all this tricking. I just I don't like it. It's too mm-hmm. mysterious. I don't I, I don't trust it. I mean, that's that's what's so good about the Elemist is that there's there's always this sense if and when he may or may not show up again. There's always this sense that like. You can trust that he's benevolent in terms of the greater good. You can't trust that anything he tells you is ever the truth, and you can't trust that he's benevolent to you personally. He might fuck you over. He might lie to your face and fuck you over. But he's definitely doing it for good in the end somehow. That's kind of why I likened him to a trickster god. Like, he's not the kind of guy you want to see ever. You're never happy when he shows up in your life. Yeah, I feel like Q feels pretty. I think Q was my best uh, analogy, to be honest. But, uh, I mean, Q is not, like, all powerful, but he's he can freeze time and do all kinds of crazy shit. He's pretty, like, powerful. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's just so... I feel like this should be over, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was I was wondering if if um, if the Elemists like got trapped in a grocery store and there were s- monsters outside, might that be called Stephen King's The Elemist? Mm, that's was, pretty good. That was my first question. Then that's I, a good question. I don't even think we should even touch on this <laughs> this this very upsetting and straight. I don't know upsetting is the right word, but. This whole sequence where the teacher's like, oh, maybe if the U.S. had fought earlier in the war, it was like, whoa, like, what are we doing now? Like, I don't know enough about history to, like, feel comfortable commenting on this one way or the other, but this feels like a big, weird position to come out with towards the end of this book. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I definitely, listen, U.S. non-interventionalism was, like, a thing, but it really feels like she's more talking about, like the policy of appeasement that like the UK and France were doing, right? Like, like if you really wanted 
that to have like a you needed to enter the war earlier moment it it's more about like you can't just give germany poland and less about like <laughs> why didn't the u.s come in earlier I yeah don't know. i guess they it, want, it feels you know. very united states centric right right? Like, right we are the saviors you know yeah so that i mean that yeah so that's something i was also t- sort of confused because they bring up the butterfly effect but i thought that movie didn't come out till later but maybe it was like a remake or something <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why you're laughing Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they, they do have a a, re, a returning refrain on that that I kind of like, where they say, "Well, how does the butterfly know when to flap its wings?" Which yeah. I like in this scenario because they are actively being asked to flap their wings. Like the elemist is coming here and saying, "You guys need to be the butterfly effect right now." I know how it will turn out, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I need yeah. you to do it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 It's a fun little thing. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I guess they know where the Candrona is. They know. They know where it is. Uh, it's in the EGS Tower. So literally that night, like Rachel wakes them all up in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m. to be like, I know where it is and we're going to go take it out right now. So it's like 5 a.m. when they attack the tower. Same night. Um, so they go to attack the... Yeah? Uh, no, 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 no. Just go, 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 go. Okay, okay. You just seem exasperated as all. I just, this plan, there is no plan here. They give so little forethought to this this ambush. The plan is is they run into the building, right? They go up to the building, they go battle morphs. Not even on a full night's sleep. (laughs) Yeah, not even on a full night's sleep, no warning. They, yeah, they they smash in through the front, they take the elevator up, they uh, fight some guys, they smash their way into the Candrona room. Uh, But when they get in there... There are eight hork already in there. So it's like, you know, the five of them versus eight hork in tiny quarters. It's clearly a bad idea. Um, but Rachel charges the fuck in anyway because her bear doesn't see well and she thinks they're um, humans. So she just charges in at them. And there's a big fight with the hork It's a ridiculously gory, bloody fight. Um, Rachel, like, smashes a hork out the window to his death. Uh <laughs> whatever at the end of it they they do eventually win even though they're all torn up um and uh rachel they find the candrona in the room rachel morphs into an elephant and shoves that out the window too it falls 60 stories and smashes so they break the candrona you know the, remember that whole candrona plot from the beginning how they were going to find it and throw it up and uh, blow it up we're back to that for a second here we did, they it. did it they did it and it turns they out a candrona looks like a car engine or something it's yeah uh, yeah, well, it's very yeah. hot. Tobias actually comments mm. there are thermals above the building. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, yeah, that's important. I, know, I, I, I will say this. In, in spite of the fact that I think this plan is bad, there is no plan, and I, mm. it seems like maybe they should. there should be more security that this shouldn't have been, like, they shouldn't have been able to do this. Like, Yeah, I mean, sh- like, they barely pulled it off. I guess, but it doesn't feel like they should have. This is their, like, the most important thing to the Yerks. They shouldn't be able to just go there through the front door and win. <laughs> like, there should yeah. have to be something else. It's just so, they just storm the front and just do it. Like, yeah, no, it is, it is one of those things where it feels kind of like, like you could give them some credit for, like, oh, well, it can't be too heavily fortified because it can't be obvious that they're there they don't and they've know got that. some defense on secrecy because the Andalites don't know where it is. 
if, if um, there had just been a little something of like, oh, well, we 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 staked it out for a couple days or like, yeah. just something. Yeah. yeah, and it does feel weird there weren't more guys in the building. Like, yes, there were a ton of Horks in the in the main room, and they almost died. Uh, but it just feels like it, it does feel a little too easy, but I feel like that's, it, it mostly just feels easy because she didn't have time to write it to be right. hard because she spent so much time on the Elemis <laughs> stuff instead. Yes. No, that's, I, I fully think that's it. It's just like, well, we just got to finish this book. So they just do it. Now that said, this, mm-hmm. this is a really badass scene. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they get to do some awesome, cool shit. Marco they gets do. to um, make a funny joke to a, to a Yurk in thought speak. Uh, yeah. Which which is it's worth it because Marco says some funny stuff, so I, I think does. that that risk is worth it. Yeah, he like shows up outside the front door as a gorilla, and he says, uh, "Hey, just came from a masquerade party, and I was looking for Visser Three. And the uh, the security <laughs> guard's like, "Oh my god, an Andalite!" And Marco's like, "Oh good, so he's a controller. I guess that means I can hurt him." <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, that means I can take to have no regard for the human life inside. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 great. And there's a lot of good action and I mean they do the classic bit of them on the elevator. <laughs> they even like have yeah. the elevator music playing with as the three yeah. animals are awkwardly in, waiting for the elevator to get up. <laughs> it's yeah. really it's it's fun. It's all it's all very fun. It's good. It's good stuff. It is quite good. Uh, I, we got we got Horks yelling. I got some uh, Hork Bajir uh, mm-hmm. saying words here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they say, uh, "Kill the the Gaffner Andalite. Kill Frogan Andalite. Andalite half kill all. Die <laughs> Garafrach die or Gaffarach something like that." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having trouble reading it. Yeah, no, yeah. All that, I, all that is good. Those are really good. Have they ever repeated words like, or she just writing nonsense? <laughs> some of these words sound familiar, but I think it's probably just because all of them are some some variant of like gaffrarsh. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're probably not the same. I guess maybe they're like they're like Wookies, and they kind of just have a. They don't mm. really, you know what I mean? They just talk like gaffrarsh, and sort of makes sense to them. Yeah, well, that's more like Mars attacks. <laughs> I, yeah i suppose i suppose so yeah all that is all that is cool and then uh and then the book ends yeah we we have a little bit more wrapping up um than usual actually but not much it's still only like three pages but a couple of things happen um the elemis shows up again to basically tell them they did it but not explicitly so um he, he has a good line where he, they, they say, did we do it? Did we change the future? And he says, everything changes the future. Um, I like that kind of, you know, oh, well, you know, I kind of response there. <laughs> you just like that this guy is an asshole who doesn't, who gives non-answers to everything. I like, yeah, no, I love that as a narrative conceit. It's really good. Um, and I also like that Rachel says, uh, Wherever it is that the Elemist exists and whatever he's up to and whatever game he's playing and no matter how mighty he is, he has butterflies too. And the Elemist loves that. He laughs about it and says, yeah, see, uh, humans capable of learning. (laughs) Crude and primitive, but capable of learning. Yeah, he loves it. (laughs) Glad he's happy. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. It's yeah. good. Uh, they talk about the fallout from the Candrona. They say it'll be three weeks for them to replace it. And uh, 
Rachel says, At first we saw no evidence that the Yerks were suffering. I don't know how they did it, but the Yerks managed to maintain. It wasn't until later that we learned we had done them terrible damage. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, we will follow up on that eventually. Now Not in Megamorphs. A, a but... question. They mentioned that, you know, a bunch of Yerks are going to die because before they get mm-hmm. a new Candrona. What happens mm-hmm. to their hosts bef- yeah. before? Before, the, uh, like I'm, because I'm assuming that all these Yerks are just gonna slit their hosts' throats, <laughs> and then, yeah, like they, it's they're a good. I question. think they're killing a bunch of people too. <laughs> yeah, that is a very good question. Uh, we will see the fallout from this. It's okay. gonna happen. Okay. Uh, not like I said, not in Megamorphs, but I think it is next book. I don't remember. Um. um yeah. Yeah. So and, I mean, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, the final scene is Rachel uh, takes her dad to the airport and he leaves without her and uh, she decided not to go. Right, So right. wrapped up all the plot lines. Yes, right. <laughs> Beautiful. We'll put a bow on it. No notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I know we've remarked on this before, but I still like actually cannot get over, specifically in that final action scene, how just how violent and traumatic this book series yeah. is. Yeah, grizzly. I mean, say. it is, I, I would say that. It, it is truly some harrowing shit, like, in the depths of your soul, dark, yeah. violent, and unsettling. <laughs> I actually had a question about that. There's a scene in there where Marco is fighting with one arm because his other arm is holding his guts in because his stomach's been sliced open. <laughs> oh, my God. And the question I had was, have we seen this before? Did he do that in book one too? Or is because I feel like he does this again too. I feel I like this is know. not the only time in the series someone's holding their own guts in with their hand. Yeah, that could be that might have happened. I'm I, losing track of all the gore. I, yeah, I'd believe it. Yeah, I don't like who was the uh, what was the demographic for this? Was it me? Me, the eight-year-old kid in elementary school, nine-year-old, ten-year-old, like like the from Scholastic's perspective, they were yeah. like they they're like ten-year-olds will read this. It's I sure did. It it's so it's really it's it's something else. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is funny because like I'll often see people. I, I don't know, maybe if they're, like, Tumblr-brained people or whatever, see, like, some kind of, like, oh, there's a monster in, like, a kid's property, and they'll be like, kid's show, haha, you know, as if to say, I can't believe they'd show that. To-. And I'm always just like, yes? Like, what are you talking about? This this is, like, small beans, right? Like, didn't small you read beans. Animorphs? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There you go, small beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gives you some perspective. So is this the just going to be the new format going forward that every that the books are 50% uh, filler, 50% something fucking crazy happens? <laughs> That's not that off. So, uh, <laughs> um, this is one of the crazier ones. Uh, some of them are more normal, but yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of crazy shit happening. It's it, it's kind of shifted in that way. I feel like the early books were more like the crazy thing. It wasn't. It was just like yeah. one kind of standard plot, and now it's now they're like, let's just make the standard plot part the first half, and then the second half is when something cool happens. Mm. Yeah, they they are running out of the standard plot is just standard now. They can't do that fifty times, but yeah, it is true they could do a little more with the wackiness. Um. I mean, we'll see what percentage of each book is devoted to that. Um, That being said, this book is different in that the Elemist is vitally important to the series and will show up again and again. I would think so. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, some we're going to get to some where something absolutely insane happens and you'll be like, yeah, that's not really important. Maybe that happens one more time. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> the, what's, uh, what's really crazy about it is just how innocuous – the, this like you look at this book it's like yeah book number seven yeah, it's called the stranger like you know it's just another yeah. animorphs book yeah and it's like what's inside is so fucking crazy yeah. it like changes the scope of everything you understand yeah he's the stranger you don't know who he is it's like yeah it's the stranger you know it's just like yeah it's book yeah. seven the stranger it's just like yeah. they don't prepare you for it at all Oh yeah, no. There are a lot <laughs> and of here's, books I mean, like that. <laughs> we're gonna get to this, not getting ahead of ourselves, but like, I don't. Th- they this is adapted on the TV show. Like, I don't know how the fuck they do that. <laughs> do they just do they just not do the Elemists? Like, I don't know what they do on that show. He's gotta show up, right? He's probably just like I'm imagining. Um... You know, like those cheesy 80s special effects, like an old guy in a wizard robe and there's like a, you know, a smoke machine and blue lights are on him. And he's just like, I am the Elemist. I can't, like, I can't even picture it. It's going to be, I'm very curious to see when that, when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember him from the show at all, so. Yeah. All I remember we'll from the sh- yeah, I don't. We'll, we'll get to the show when we get to it. Um, all right. So, but but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it was a worthwhile book. It was a crazy. It was pretty crazy. And now we're, yeah, we're getting ready. We have a little break from the main series now. Yeah, yeah. We'll go into Megamorphs next. Um, but let, do you want to do the references from this book? Obviously, I do. Thought you'd never okay. ask. Uh, yeah, let's do them. And then we can talk about uh, what we're doing about Megamorphs. Yeah, I thought they made they make a reference to Rachel says I don't know who she says is or isn't like a cute a cute little thing like ET. Yeah, which I thought she was wouldn't kind- have killed him with hammers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That was funny because when E.T. came out, I feel like before people saw the movie, E.T. was famously like considered gross and ugly. Like um, M&M's did did not want to partner with them. That's why it's Reese's Pieces, because M&M's was like, we don't want to be associated with that disgusting fucking thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the fucking the E.T. on the ride at like Universal. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she says, Pinocchio, eat your heart out. Oh, damn, this is the year for that, or last year, I guess, was the year for that. Yeah, yeah, it was the year of Pinocchio, yeah. Uh, of course, all there's three or four Xena Warrior Princess references now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she probably is referring to Cassie. I don't. I didn't write the context for all these, but she says, that's you, Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, important, that's Cassie. Important to note, she writes it, it's written in the book, D-O-O, two O's. There is only one O in Dr. Doolittle. They did change that in the revision of this huh. book. That's interesting because I thought there were two O's and I'm wondering if that's because I read it in Animorphs <laughs> and like when I watched the movie, like you don't see it written down and I didn't like look at the title. This is how I mean, I got the joke, happen, people. Yeah. <laughs> Check your work. Uh, of course, the dressing room at the Gap uh, at the mall. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Axe doesn't say Cinnabon, but he does mention cinnamon buns. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's later though. I just remembered that. Uh, Rachel's mom is one point is munching nervously on some Doritos. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, they they now they Game mention a Yerkpool McDonald's, and this is a joke we made. Like yeah, in that episode. I think this is what I was remember because I remember saying I think there might be a McDonald's, and I think what I was remembering was Marco's joke. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like I said it though without knowing that joke too. Yeah, so no, I, I line, think you so. did. I think you just said, "Think there's a McDonald's." You're yeah. you're a little Marco over there. I I am, of course. Sal Marco shooters. likes the Elemist. <laughs> I don't know if he does. He uh, says, "I like. I think I like this guy. He's I, a weasel." I don't know. I don't know. Right. Sal- salad shooters. Uh, <laughs> right, someone, right. They say that the Elemist thing is like Noah's Ark. I'm counting that. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. They of course uh, mentioned Sears and Pennies, which again is mm-hmm. later changed to J.C. Penny because it's not called Pennies. Yeah. Uh, now they they mentioned the train being like the monorail at Disney World. Again, I gotta I gotta dock points mm-hmm. here. Disney World, this was, again, fixed in the later edition. Disney World is two words. She writes it as one word. Mm. Disneyland is one word, but Walt Disney World is the official title of Disney World. Three different words. So. I'm glad I got you here to, got to, to know set that. straight. Yeah. Uh, we got the Yerk version of Amtrak, they also call it. And okay. uh, the last one I have, which is my favorite, is they mentioned, quote, that new Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Rachel when, thinks he's cute too. Here's the question is what, what movie? Cause this is pre matrix. So is that, is that yeah. a speed or point break or something or speed two? Maybe it, I felt like speed was too early and matrix was too late. Like, I think I like glanced briefly at his filmography to see what it could be, but unless these take place a couple of years in the future and they, it was the matrix. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe it's got, I mean, it's gotta be uh it could, it's probably just a generic uh, nothing, but uh, yeah. Yeah, in terms of going to the movies, I was thinking it's too bad oh. they're a little a little too early for the uh, the Bear Witch Project. That is a shame. Uh, I'm just looking at his IMDb. It could be The Devil's Advocate. Mm, that, ca- okay. that came out in 97. Okay. That I think that might be it. So, okay. Yeah. The Devil's Advocate. That's what it is. That's where they went to where go. He, he plays the devil's lawyer. Never actually seen that one, but it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> what <Yeah>. a premise. <laughs> that does sound pretty good. Maybe we'll watch that. Yeah, we'll together. watch that. Yeah. Yeah, tonight. Um anything uh, I there's, missed? There's two on here. Uh there's a joke about the Animorph Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Right. I don't remember if I'm not actually sure Marco says that one, but I don't remember. And then um at some point somebody yeah. references the world almanac. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I also sure. had a question. The EGS Tower, is that a real thing? What is that? I no they, idea what they, the hell that is. They refer to it as if it's just, you should just know what that is. <laughs> like it it's is the Sears uh, Tower or something. <laughs> yeah, because they and they never talked about it before. They say, yeah, the EGS Tower, you know, the tallest tower in the um in Yeah, the and so then it's like, well, A, are is you're not supposed to say where you're located. So B, did you just make up different letters of a tower? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and who yeah. are you now? Who are you protecting with that? Because again, the Yerks obviously know where their own pool was. Right. right. <laughs> like I don't. How are they? Re- I don't. Not fucking. You know. Whatever. I'm not. I don't need to dissect this. It doesn't make sense. But yeah, I was confused about it's the fine. EGS. What's what's the EGS? What's that stand for? I have I, no idea. I googled it, is- and the only thing that came up was Seropedia. So. Hmm. They, I, as far as I know, they like never bring it up ever again, other than to reference this incident. Yeah. So I don't know if we ever find out what EGS means. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's what it is, I guess. What are we yeah. going to do? EGS. Oh, it's in the board game. Sorry, I'm looking at Seropedia. Oh, hell yeah. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. You get to, um, it's a piece you place 
and you must reach that tower to destroy. Oh, the goal of the game. Oh, the game is based on this book. They're the one of the board games oh, is shit. based on this specific book. Oh, damn. So, so if I don't place enough Horkbajir in my EGS tower, then you can uh, make fun of me for doing a bad job defending it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know if it's <laughs> one player is the Yurks or if it's cooperative. <laughs> anyway, yeah. all right. Are we done? I think that's it. Um, yeah, next time we're going to be doing Megamorphs. And to be honest with you, we're still not sure if we're going to do that as a one or two parter yet. I, I think we could do it as a one parter potentially and be a little bit longer or we could do it as a two-parter and be a little bit shorter and maybe bullshit more uh about all of the dumb little uh things that happen um not clear we will either figure that out on our own or if if even one single person writes in to tell us they have a preference there's a decent chance we'll do it that way <laughs> yeah maybe we'll make a tweet uh i don't is megamorphs is like a it was it was the next released book yes and uh, I guess we'll get into exactly what it is next time. I have no idea what this is, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will say it doesn't, the Megamorphs, generally speaking, don't have to go anywhere in particular in the canon. Um, like, you can shuffle them around. It, it's not very linear, whatever. Um So we're not going to be, like, picking up the Candrona storyline that much on this, but. Okay. Um, well, I'm excited. But, like for we'll it. we'll 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 talk about it more when we get there. Well, if listeners want to let us know what they think about that or anything else, if you have comments or your own thoughts about the Animorphs, email us uh, theyerkyboys at gmail or find us on Twitter. Follow us there at theyerkyboys. And uh, oh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Quince, or you can listen to my other podcast called Geeks on Trial, in which I settle debates of between geeky people with a co-host. So that's a lot of fun. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> if you wanted to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Dog Times McGee. Um, I don't have any other projects. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, tune in next time when uh, we will be discussing Megamorphs 1, The Andalite's Gift, in which Jake turns into a tiger, Cassie turns into a fly, Marco turns into a wolf, Rachel turns into a bear, and Tobias is there too on the Yerky Boys. Yerky Boys.